One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast, our second in as many weeks pistol. Things are starting to starting to get going, aren't they? More than just get going, we've got football next week, next Wednesday, obviously, and teams are getting tight, yet I still am tinkering about 20 times a day. I don't remember a year where I wasn't settled on my team, not just by now, but by a week ago, Pistol. How are you, firstly, and, and how much have you tinkered? So um, I've survived the Sydney floods, which is good news. And in terms nice. of tinkering, comparatively last season, I made like a final last-minute change on the Thursday night uh, where I hadn't changed my team in like two and a half weeks before that. So... I don't know if I've gone more than like an hour this preseason without changing my team. Through every single match this weekend, I was tinkering. And I'm like, I cannot for the life of me get settled because there's so many random things that have just been happening that I kind of felt like my hand was being forced here, my hand was being forced there. And I hated that feeling. So I tried to negate that and, you know, pick the players that you feel like you, you've got control over and you're not forced into any picks. And then... Rookies got injured and players got injured and I'm like, oh my God, I'm back back in like a circle basically. So I'm fully expecting there to be some sort of crazy news within the next week and my team gets flipped on its head once again. And yeah, it's I don't know if I would say that's been fun, but it's certainly been something. <laughs> yeah, and I think as much as the 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 teams playing and the the randomness of, of how that's gone. But like, there's been so many injuries as well, and not just like medium to to premium injuries. There's been rookie injuries, and that <laughs> so is, many. is killing us. It's so, yeah, it's it's really just making the the season difficult, making it really tough to settle. It, it um, seems tougher like, than any other season in my memory. 
all the rookies are getting injured and then like the people coming in for them are like not rookie price players. So it's just like the the batch gets smaller, <laughs> which is really frustrating. It's like, oh, you know, usually someone gets injured and you're like, oh, which rookie is going to play for 10 weeks? And then this time it's a rookie out for 10 weeks and they don't replace it with a rookie. You're like, ah, oh, well, there's no cheap replacement here. <laughs> and that's just happened like four times in this preseason. So yeah, it's it's been it's been a very difficult year to try and get settled, but hopefully in the next week we get a, a lot more clarity. Yeah, very very difficult year to settle. Um, this podcast is essentially going to be going back through uh, the the obviously the preseason games that we've seen so far. We've had a few messages from um, our Patreon as well, so we're going to be getting onto those. A few questions. Uh, it's the structure is going to be a little bit loose towards the end pistol, but there's, there's just so much to talk about. Have you, uh, firstly, before you read out the, the patron names, um, firstly, before that big congratulations, uh, in order, I think for <laughs> Dr. Supercoach as a whole, 700 patrons. Now officially the border has been crossed by the time of this podcast, which is an actually unbelievable achievement. We, did not expect anywhere near this amount and to hit it before the season even starts. I mean, we, that's like, I think it's over three. It's nearly 300 just in the last month and a half. So, yeah, absolutely insane numbers. And thank you to everyone for your support, for signing up. Obviously, people have enjoyed the Doctor's Daily Dose, the 30 podcasts in 30 days. I think we're up to day 28 tomorrow. You can still access all of the podcasts if you sign up this month. And you'll have another 28, um, you know, I podcasts specifically around certain players, like in-depth analysis. So, yeah, feel free to get on board and check that out if you haven't already. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, 57 new signups since our last podcast last week. So we've had a lot of people. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. I just went through all those names last week. We've had a lot of people in, in that time sign up. So they are due a shout-out. I'm going to go through those really quickly now. 57 is going to be... L- Far less time consumed than last week. So bear with me here. So we've got Nick, Cameron Dempsey, Lachlan Campbell, Admosphere, Darcy, Get Hiked, Pistol's father-in-law. Hey, your father-in-law's in. <laughs> he is. He is. He uh, was, it's actually funny, um, big Swans fan and I was walking downstairs and I heard my voice and I was like, that's weird. And I think I said something about... Um, Sinclair shouldn't be in the side, and they heard him like he heard him like clapping. It's <laughs> like man, I really hate Sinclair. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. Um, we got Mitch McCormack, Stephen Haggle, Tim Saunders, Darcy Bell, Ashley Rogers, Mark Leonard, Chris Gould, Lucas Ryan, James Pavia, Alex Court, Franco, Blackie White. Bit. A bit of an oxymoron there. Mitch Hook, Cameron Bolton, Jake with an exclamation. Sorry, it's going to Jake, um, Luke Kenyon, Steve Jones, Luke, Robo Eleven. There are there were already ten Robos in, so unlucky for for Robo Eleven. They're getting that one. Luke D, Reese, uh, McConchie. I'm sorry, yeah, Reese. If that's correct. Right. Uh, Jason Waterfall, Matthew De Brower. Andrew Gordon, Peanuts, Dylan, Gary Atkinson, Reese Gray, Troy Misso, Gavin Scott, Paul Jones, Jeremy Hill, Jules, 
Duncan Ferguson, Rob Spencer, Matthew Kaiser, David, just David, Riley Sanders, Hot Coles, I don't even know what that means, Gray Foreman, Jesse Brown, Jamie B, James Hicks, Darren, Patrick Ryan, Tom Taylor, Shane Spriggs, Jimmy Magic, Tom Hunter, and last and also least, Brandon Hempel. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate Huge. the sign-ups. If I messed up any names there, I'll be, I'll be shocked. I think I smashed them. No, please. Uh, McC- McConchy was the <laughs> McConchy, I think is... If he that, did... That was a toughie. Mess up a name, please let him know. Please. Okay. Oh, for every name, unless it's too many names, <laughs> and you have to be honest, <laughs> I think there's about $10 per name going to Cancer Council, oh, but be whoa. honest. Whoa, you are confident. I, I don't think there's many names that I've messed up. Jeez, okay. I'll, I'll even backdate it to last week. If there's if there's too many names, though, it's gone down to like five dollars per name, maybe two dollars. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not committing to any number, <laughs> but Excellent. there'll be something. So our um, wins for the cancer council. So anyone who's listening that hasn't signed up that has a really complicated name, uh, that, please make yeah. sure you sign up in the next couple of days. So JB, wait, 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 wait. There's got to be some sort of honesty system. Don't <laughs> sign up and put like a fake name that's just like outrageously difficult to pronounce, because that's. <laughs> You know, that's that's not in the spirit of the game, is it? Anyway, um, we're going to start the podcast now, Pistol. The uh, That's the house house cleaning all, all done. Um, let's move straight in. We're going to go straight into Carlton versus Melbourne. So the first preseason game. I might as well start by talking about someone who we've spoken about a lot this preseason, Max Gorn, how he looked with the, the, the ruck forward sort of setup. He had 133 super coach points. Um, what do you think of him and, uh, well, Jackson, I guess, and, and his effect on Gorn's game? He almost had no effect. It was essentially the yeah. same <laughs> split as last season where Gorn got the vast majority of uh, center bounces, just ruck time. He dropped back to take intercept marks. I think he had the second most intercept marks this round. I think Champion Data put that out. So he looked like an absolute machine that he did last season. And I saw it and I was like, you know what? Gorn's going to go on my team and I'm not going to remove him. I'm not going to think about it for the rest of the season. I'm going to sleep easy. I'm going to have my full head of hair and call that a day. And and that's exactly what I've done. And it's actually one of the only spots I haven't played around with in the last couple of days. That makes one of us. Um, Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca, just going to quickly mention them, 104 for Clary and uh, what was it? 74 for Petrarca. Um, I, I think it's difficult to talk about them in a, a match like this. They got beaten by Carlton, which in, in itself is a bit surprising. But um, I think the two of them are just, they're rolling in second gear at the moment. I don't think we can take too much from this. No, I think Oliver, he wasn't, he, like his disposal count was quite low at halftime. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, and he was on quite a lot of, I think it was on like 59 or 63 super coach points at halftime around that and he had only had like 12 or 13 touches something like that and I was like geez this man scores well and you know he's ended up with 28 and only 104 super coach probably because of the, the six clangers I think a lot of them came in the second half but he's just going to keep doing what he did last season there's no reason why he won't go 120 plus again and Petrarca had a, an off game I'd, I'd say he also had the six clangers, but zero goals, three, one out in the full. Uh, yeah, went by foot. <laughs> he only had a disposal efficiency of 55%. So only the 70 
four super coach points. Um, probably enough that I'm reminded why I wasn't really considering Petrarca to start the season. Just yeah. is that high, you know, volatility uh, type of player, and that means that he's a good upgrade target because he falls quite cheap in price. Yeah, one definitely to keep your eye on because as he finished last season with a 120 plus average, he'll be interesting to watch uh, and and hopefully pick up at his lowest point. Uh, Just lastly, before I move out of the Melbourne side, Jake Bowie took the the Christian Salem role. A lot of people with him in their teams uh, at the price point of 265k, I think. Um, I, I, I guess I I don't know if a lot of people realize that Salem didn't play or just didn't realize that that's going to heavily affect him. A lot of people are still saying that uh, Bowie's going to take the other flank, but Trent Rivers is still to come back. I, I just think Melbourne's one of the only teams that you don't want to punt on a on a sort of cheapish guy that you know might be in and out of the squad. I think like he's good enough to play every game. I like him, yeah. But his usage was going to be much higher, higher with Salem out of the side. So I don't really think yeah. it's a score that's super reflective of how he's going to go throughout the season. And it wasn't like he put out like 100 plus, right? He put out 87 points, which is solid without being like exceptional. So for me, uh, it's that would that's going to be a pass. And to be honest, there's no one else on the Melbourne side I would be looking at. I just want to no, note, yeah. JB, if my quality of audio is a bit low, um, I am podcasting from a not ideal situation. Obviously, floods in Sydney um, had a little effect. I'm in a different room, so apologies uh, to listeners in advance. Uh, you sound great to me, mate. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, sure. Something something that doesn't sound great to me is Patrick Cripps. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the segue there. 454k mid. Look, a lot of people were weighing this pick up. Um, I'll reserve judgment beyond what I've already said um, until you've said your piece. 157. Honestly, after seeing the game, he looked unbelievable. As good as he looked last season in the preseason one game when we were all flocking to him um, before we saw the preseason two game, but he looked sensational. I just want to know what your thoughts are on Patrick Cripps before we discuss. I'm glad I mentioned the... uh, I don't know if it's coming through the podcast, but it's like absolutely blowing a gale and raining. It's like howling (laughs) behind me, so... I hope that's not being picked up on the podcast. But Cripps looked absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's the first time I've really seen him look this way in a long time, and that was eye-opening. I thought, can I start Patrick Cripps? And you know what? Like in a in a perfect vacuum, I think you can start Patrick Cripps at his price. The only problem is we're not in a vacuum. He takes up a midfield spot, or a valuable midfield spot, I should say. And that means you're not picking you're not picking someone else. And as we'll go through the rounds, just other options popped up that I thought are probably better value than Crips. I mean we'll get to the berries and the rowls and all that stuff, as well as some of the rookies. And I thought, well, there's an opportunity cost at selecting him. I'm not selecting somebody else. And for me, I'm not sure it's totally worth it because Cripps, whilst he can start hot and sure he could average, you know, 110 for the first 10 weeks and make you, you know, 100K and that would be fine. But at the end of the day, he's got the first buy. You'd probably have to hold him all season. You could cash him out, but it's going to cost you a trade. So it's not like a big win. And I don't think he can keep this up for a whole season of his body getting bashed around. I mean, he's the guy that if he's on a hot streak, People start putting a body on him. They they hit him at every contest, and I, I just don't think he's got the body to go twenty two games at this rate. Yeah, I wonder how Walsh coming back affects him as well. Um, it probably 
not like a grand amount to make him go from a selection to a non-selection, but just enough that I think over the course of the season, he just becomes less and less of a player that you'd want in your team. And I think he's going to be in that awkward little range where he averages probably 100 flat. I th- look, I think he's yeah. back He's back from his 85 days. I think he's better than that. But 100 flat, and you're going to want to get rid of him. And then he's got the awkward buy, and then you keep on saying next week, but next week, but next week. And it, you just end up with Crips in your final side. And I, I don't think he serves that great a purpose in, in the meantime either. He's not making you lots and lots of money. Um, he's not... a, a He's not even a point of difference. He's average, he's in like almost thirty percent of teams. So, look, I think I'm extremely happy to be in the seventy percent there and and just see what people do with Crips as the year goes on. Worst case scenario, pistol. If he goes back to his one fifteen plus ways, I'll just fork up an extra hundred and fifty k. I'm very much okay with that. Uh, seeing it actually happen during the season for over a month's time, um, getting that better sample size. Yeah, all right. I'm going to skip over Chera because of Walsh's probably unknown impact on him and I, I think yep. it's too big of a risk. Uh, I think we've got to f- talk about Hewitt. Um, Hewitt popped up into almost every side I saw after that match on the, on, um, the weekend. 106 super coach points, 33 possessions, zero marks, two tackles. Um, how, how viable do you see him as a pick at 399k defender? Straight away, and I was one of those teams that had Hewitt in um, just to see how it made everything else look. By the way, it's it's great to tinker with these picks just to see what else happens with the team. Um, but then look at the pick in isolation. 33 touches he had, um, two tackles. That's a pretty good game. Um, with Walsh coming back, I don't... Like, Hewitt's not going to completely leave the midfield. He's, he's still going to be in around there. But I don't think he's going to be getting 30-plus t- touches often. Probably around the 25 mark is, is probably where he'll hover around yeah. for his good games and... There'll be a few low 20s in there as well. If he's only getting 106 for 33 touches, not to say that that's exactly where he's going to get in the future, I just worry about how high his average can go because you're selecting him to be in your team come round 23. So I just, with all the defender options back there, I can probably name eight of them, which I would prefer to have and that I think will average better than Hewitt. And that's not including the Andy McGrath's, the Scott Pendlebury's, the Nick Dacos that we're probably likely to see at some point as well. So for me, he's just on the outside looking in uh, and it's just enough for me to just say, look, I'm just going to find 100K and, and get him up to Whitfield or something. Honestly, if he had one of the other two buy rounds, round 13 or 14, I probably would consider looking at him. But given he's like a, like a pseudo stepping stone type of thing. Yeah, as like someone who could average 100, you know, with Walsh coming back that probably steps away, but he might average more than that for the first four weeks until Walsh is back. Then he makes a quick 100K and then I get to trade him, you know, at round 13 or 14 to someone like Ridley or Short or someone who has that yep. first buy or Whitfield. And then... Look, I use a trade, but in the meantime, I've gained money, I've gained points, and I, I think that could have been like a clever sort of way to use one of your trade boosts and kind of trade around the buy, getting in another higher scoring player. But he's got the first buy, so you don't really have that option because if you trade into another premium player, you're essentially you're getting either a donut or you're getting another rookie score, yeah. like during that trade, um, during the buys. So you're not really gaining points, and also. He's going to get, like, people keep saying he plays a different role than the other midfielders and he will therefore keep his mid-time. I mean, he's getting like 70, 80% right now. 
it's just physically impossible that Walsh won't get like 70 plus percent. Like, well, they're not going to play Walsh on a wing. Like, it's going to be Cripps and Walsh in the middle. And then Chera and Hewitt are going to split probably and the Kennedy, rest. Kennedy, by the way. Kennedy was very, very good as well. How is Hewitt going to get, you know, more than in between 50 and 60% CBAs? Like, I, I just don't know where that can possibly come from. And if, that, if that's his range, he's probably averaging between 90 and 100. And that's fine, but it's not good. And not just that. It feels just like it kind of a. There's a low floor there when Walsh returns. Like he, he could pop out some 70s and 80s, and I'm like, it's just, it's not, I don't see it in the back line when there's so many good defenders this year, more than ever before. Yeah, the defender pool makes it super difficult to talk into. And look, I think people fall in love with the money, the price point, the enabler, but I just think you're better off finding the cash somewhere else, anywhere else. And. Just making it work in that defense, making it work without Hewitt. Um, yep. Mitch McGovern's the next one I wanted to chat about. Oh boy. The the first guy in Carlton that we're not actually going to talk down as a pick, <laughs> I hope. I hope because he's in my team, Pistol. Mitch McGovern playing that halfback role that his brother plays, the intercepting mark, um, took a couple of kick-ins, but I think he kicked himself off of those because they weren't great. Um, but that's fine. He doesn't need kick-ins. He just needs intercept marking. He's good at that. He's always had a good overhead mark. I struggle to believe this is the first time he's being trialed in that position, um, especially after his last few years as a forward, just not quite working out for himself. The only issue is, and I don't really see it being discussed much, he's actually quite injury-prone. He is. He missed, it was like eight weeks or more with like a hammy and it's uh, not, that's not great when he's got soft tissue, but the risk is mitigated just because his price, right? His price at 250 odd K. So there's somewhat of a risk mitigation there. It's not like you're paying premium price for him. And to be honest, look, he scored a hundred super coach points in three quarters. He was rested in the last quarter as well. So this was, he was going to score 130 plus in this game. And anyone who was that price that can put out 130 just like kind of – I'm not talking he had to kick like 10 goals for it. I mean, he had like a decent game, 19 touches and six marks, but it wasn't, you know, an eight-goal performance type thing. If he can put out a 130 off a game that he can replicate during the season, then he's going to be in my side. I, I want the upside. I want the cash that I can make. So for me, I mean, it sounds crazy because it's Mitch McGovern, but – the role's right there. He's, an, he's playing as an intercepting defender. I mean, Wiedering probably comes in for um, Lewis Young and McGovern keeps the same role. Sorry, it's Lewis Young. I meant Oscar McDonald. Um, Lewis Young or like Plowman will play as the other tall and then uh, McGovern will play as an intercept defender. So there's that yeah, so role. So Plowman, for- sorry. Plowman on that note, just for people that are worried as well. Um, I believe I could be wrong here. I believe he played forward that match. Yeah, he subbed um, on. He subbed on. Yeah, and was in the forward line. I think the plow and the Carlton supporters will agree with me here one hundred percent. I think the plowman in defense era is hopefully coming to an end because he's just not quite up to the standard there. And whether he goes and finds that form in the VFO and then pushes in later, I don't think he's a threat at all to Mitch McGovern. I think. Yeah, Weedering replaces McDonald, as you mentioned, and then McDonald maybe slots in somewhere else, maybe is a bench guy, probably not. But at the end of the day, I don't think Plowman is that guy that's knocking the door down. I think McGovern's quite safe until he's injured or he loses it. Yeah, it feels like a neat pick as a forward who can get defender status in round six as well. So um, I feel 
decent at it. Look, it, it's 250K is not like a super cheap option, but with the upside there, um, I can see him putting out, uh, having like a relatively high floor as well. I think he can put out quite a few like 65, 70s, um, and then the odd, you know, 100 plus just to really increase his, his price and give us kind of a cash injection. It'll, it'll all be about selling him at the right time for how successful this pick is. And I think that's, I'm going to back myself in and think I'm going to be able to sell him at the right time. And, you know, that's why he's in my, my starting team, JB. And you guys should do the same because we will tell you on the podcast when we're thinking of selling him. So you can back us in and back yourself in that you're also going to sell him at the right time. I think he's an excellent pick. Um, Durden scored 43 points and a half before having a, a bit of a calf complaint. Very precautionary. Carlton are confident he plays round one. Um, if he does so, he's not going to have the scoring potential of someone who's just beaten Melbourne and, and kicked three, you know, crummers goals. I think he ended up with I three. Think two. Two. two okay um just right place right time goals but it was more the stuff that he did around the ground that impressed me uh he got he got a ball on the boundary at one point and and sent it up for a, a scoring shot from a teammate um ended up being a goal assist he he just did little things around the ground not up at all like he was he was operating in the inside 50 range but um he did enough he was lively enough to make me think he might have some out of the block scores in some wins up in the 80s that sort of get him up to a decent price so I can sell him. Um, I think the job security is going to be there. I think he's definitely in their best 22. Um, we just need a bit of that high variance, small forward Carlton role. Struggle to put him on the field though. I would not be putting him at F6. I think that's a big no-no. He's not yeah. going to be someone who you can accurately predict him to score You know, 50 plus. He's going to put out some 20s. So... He's on my bench, but I'm not like super in love with the pick. If if there were other options that I thought were better, I would probably take them. Um, but as it stands, well, beggars can't be choosers, and he's in on my bench. In any case, Pistol, I think if there are better options that are cheaper, you should actually take them. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, regardless. So um, <laughs> that's some life advice. I think that's <laughs> it. We're going to move on to the next game. Uh, it's going to be Bulldogs versus the Brisbane Lions. This one's going to be quite heavy on the discussion, so let's try and smash through this. So. This- First of all, I'm not going to mention Jackson McRae. He's obviously a lock. He's amazing. Even if you're dropping down to a three midfield premium setup, which we're going to talk about a bit later, he's one of those three. No need to discuss it. Adam Chalor's the next one, 132. We've we kind of spoken about this in length already, but um, essentially he's so, so injury prone. Um, with a couple of other forward selections falling down, is he yet in your considerations or are we sticking to our guns? I'm going to stick to my guns. I've, I've, I've watched Trelaw for years. He looks great, and I wish him all the best. I love him. I think he's a gun, but super coach, I need my forwards to play 22 games, really. Uh, there's a lot of, I guess, mid-prices in the forward line that I want to try and take advantage of, and having to use up a premium slot, I need to pick someone who I think is going to either be a little bit cheaper or... Uh, be able to get through 22 games. And I, I don't quite think Trelaw has that in him. I don't think, I wouldn't talk anyone off picking Trelaw. Like, if you want to pick Trelaw, go for it. But yeah, it's a, it's a not for me type of pick. I think Libba's coming back and that's going to have some sort of impact on Trelaw. So yeah, I'm not really willing to take that risk there. I think he, I think he just plays like 15 games and they're really good games, but. Like, the 15 games where you're putting on Durden to replace him, the six games that you put, seven games that you're putting on Durden to replace him, 
it just hurts his overall average. And I don't think he's doing 132 in the season. I think he probably sits at about 1 to 105, which is great. He's a good player. Um, it's just so risky. I, I think with what we're going to talk about later with the amount of risk that we're having to take in our, t- our sides this year due to the lack of rookies, I don't want to worry about my premiums week to week and whether they're playing and what they're scoring. So um, the next one, one that we don't have to worry about, Josh Dunkley, 120 super coach points. Um, look, if there was any lingering doubt for anyone, you just pick this guy. Even if you think that the, the forward mid split is going to be worse with Lipper in there, um, whether you, whoever you think has gone over him, if you think he's getting any CBAs, like a, a, I don't know, what's a percentage off the top of your head? Like 30, 40% CBAs. There's still a chance he still scores like this. And that's <laughs> enough to just say, why would you bet against that? Because a 120 averaging forward in a forward line where there's there's not enough options, you just, you're not going to be able to get him. Um, yeah. And if he's a reverse POD for you, and he's doing what he what he does with what he does every single season. Then you you just it's tough to come back from that. You just start Dunkley. So Bevo was said that he's happy with Dunkley and his role in the midfield already in the preseason. So I'm going to take that as somewhat good signs. Um, not that you can trust Magneto, but still no. he uh, at least is happy. It's enough. <laughs> it's enough. Unless he said he's come playing on. exclusively forward pocket then I'm just starting Dunkley. Even if he said that, I'm probably still backing him in for a 110 average. He's so good. Um, there's uh, there's no doubt for me. Dunkley is locked into my team. Tim English, I, I just want to quickly touch on. Um, what are your, your thoughts on Tim English? Because I think a lot of people um, who had Pruce or um, other select cheaper Ruckmans that are just falling off the cliff um, might have tried to go up to Tim English instead of having to go all the way up to Gorn because of the money. Um, what are your thoughts on Team English? So English did play majority ruck in this game. From the 26 CBAs, he had 18. So he was the predominant ruck. Steph Martin had eight. Now, that obviously reads very well. I have concerns that English won 12 hitouts and Steph Martin won 14 in that split. And if you look across... To the Brisbane side, Darcy Ford had 22 hitouts and Big O had 24. English is not a great tap ruckman. No. He gets his points from the ball around the grounds. You know, he had eight marks. I mean, it's funny. Nick Nat barely averages one a game and English has already had eight in this match. It's it's crazy. 21 possessions, eight marks. It's, it looks good. It looks fantastic. The only problem is, is it sustainable with... Steph Martin in the side. Uh, it's uh, if if they need a ruck that's going to win the taps, they're going to put Martin in the ruck shortly. So yeah, it's if I find it a very hard pick because he's also at an inflated premium price. I mean, he's like four hundred and seventy odd k, so he's not even a, a cheap punt. Yeah, it's a tough one to swallow because you just obviously Magneto and uh, with Stefan Martin still in the side. Also interesting to note, Brisbane uh, is I think the best team that English averages against so I don't know if that's overly relevant but he kind of does enjoy playing them um, and he showed it again today so well not today whatever the game was um, <laughs> so I, I just think it's I wouldn't read into it too much I think he's a speculative pick at best I think there is some sort of merit for it if you're going riskier in the in the right line I guess and you just want cover but look players should pick themselves for like on their own merit not you shouldn't be picking players 
just to cover other players <laughs> to try and get those players in. It just I don't I don't like playing super coach that way. So it's the pick isn't for me, but I can understand ish where people are coming from um, if they've got the stats to back it up. Bonson Pelly is the next one. I don't think we really need to discuss him. Bailey Dale, 88 Supercoach points. A little bit down on what he did in preseason one. Um, what was your take on his match? Uh, it's not worth talking about, to be honest with you, because there's so many other good defenders, and Bailey Dale's just not in the same tier as them. Cool. All right. Perfect. Um, I think that's it for, for the Bulldogs. Is there anyone I'm missing? Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, McComb played, but we, we didn't expect him to play early days. No, definitely not. Okay, so Lockie Neal, all ticks on, on that front. I think he's an absolute lock. He, he played, I think he was in, entirely in their CBA, so there's nothing to worry about there. Um, otherwise, I guess Barry's the, the big talking point that we missed and had to circle back to last week. We're not going to miss him again. Uh, he scored 82 this game again. What does he need to average off the top of your head pistol for him to be a successful pick this year? Barry probably only needs to average... 77 odd to make his 150k so you know he basically i didn't say it would say he like set the world on fire in this game he was good without being outstanding and he still managed to put out an 82 so if he needs to average 77 i think he's well and truly got that covered he's someone that i could see going 90 plus so he's going to make a lot of cash i mean he's someone that hasn't been removed for any of the tinkers he's firmly locked my side i don't think we're going to get he's pretty much like the best cheap guy i think in the whole of super coach like i have no fear of him being a failed selection like at all mm. we might discuss another really good cheap guy later but it's tough to contend with Jar- uh, jared berry he's just got he's already got the body of work that we've seen uh with a 95 average already and he's he's got the role as we've seen per preseason and he's just quite frankly, good enough. Um, so there's not really much else we can say about it. Daniel Rich, 81 Supercoach points, took all of the kickouts until benched for the final quarter in which most of the behinds were kicked, which is quite funny to see the statistics shared uh, regarding that match. But he had 81 points. Um, so I think we discussed this a little bit last week. Birchall took 30% of kickouts last year. Um, Rich took 60% of kickouts and then 10% were literally you know, one or two here or there. Um, maybe when one of them was benched and the other one was too far away. Um, but essentially, Rich was going to take a lot of the kickouts. I thought Coleman was the next guy in line. Uh, unfortunately, he's done a hamstring injury and he's out for probably two months of the season, which is really sad. Um, but I don't know who the next guy is to take kickouts. I think it could actually just be Rich taking upward of 70% of kickouts, which is absolutely enormous. We saw what... Uh, we saw what Jordan Ridley did with that last season and how high his ceiling got. Um, I think it's a, a very interesting one to watch from Daniel Rich. I just wish he wasn't... It's not like he's injury-prone. He's just had a couple of soft tissue injuries in recent years and he's old enough to, for that to be very scary. So he had 17 kicks and one handball. They had Western Bulldogs kicked um, seven behinds in that final term. The game was on yep. the line. It was close. Rich... If he was on the field, like he would have had a 120-plus score in this yep. game. So he's certainly a good pick, one that's far overlooked for what his scoring potential is because realistically, his scoring potential is the best defender in the game. So I certainly wouldn't talk anyone off that, that pick either, JB. Um, before we move on, how do you see this injury with Coleman impacting, let's say, a Darcy Wilmot who got suspended 
for round one. Is he somebody that you think is worthwhile popping as your D8 and hoping he comes in round two or just not worth considering at all? This is a very difficult question. Um, So at the moment... I'm four deep in defense, whether that's three premiums in a mid-price or four premiums. At the moment, it's four premiums, but it changes. Um, so I've got four defensive rookies. They are Hinge, they are uh, Gibkiss, McCartan, and DeConing after his game for Geelong this week. One of those guys, which is Hinge, hasn't trained this week and isn't training this week because of the AC joint um, that he had during the game last week. It's troublesome. Uh, he's had it before. So if he doesn't line up round one and Sin doesn't get out of game round one and we already know O'Driscoll's out of the picture, I don't think starting Wilmot is a bad idea. It's just the risk is that there's a couple of average, like there's Madden, I suppose, could play that spot as well. Um, and there's a couple of others. And Answorth has been playing on a wing this preseason. He might just slot back. Um, there's enough to say maybe Wilmot isn't best 22 and you just don't want a 140k as effectively loophole player there for the entire season. I think Wilmot does play. I think he was great in the first preseason game. It's just I can't tell you with 100% certainty he's going to and that makes it an extremely risky pick. So I don't know. Uh, the jury's kind of out for me on this one. I really just want Hinge to be okay. <laughs> I think I would feel better, like if I'm picking somebody who's not going to play, like knowingly, I think I would then pick Wilmot. But if I'm picking him, you know, hoping he would play or over somebody else, such as any of those ones that you just named, I would just pick the ones that are playing. I wouldn't be picking Wilmot over any of those guys. Well, okay. How about Brody Kemp? We know he's got a bad role and bad scoring potential. Yeah. Um, would you pick him over someone like Brody Kemp? <laughs> Probably. I don't think I would pick Kemp at all. Yeah, no, neither do I. I, I agree with that. So it kind of just leaves us with, I guess we would take him over one guy that's playing, but not over... If Driscoll was named or Sin was named, I'd take them over him. Um, but if Hinge is out and there's no other options besides Kemp, I think I'd rather roll the dice on Wilmer or just start Hinge and hope that he's oh, back round too. This is why... But- I have it's a mid-pricer at D5. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that's that's a whole other option as well. So I might I might get to that as well. Um, right. That essentially, that summarizes that game. I'm ready to move on to the next. Please. If you are. Yeah, we've got to get through these. Please do. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're, we're struggling on these. So Hawthorne versus Richmond is the next one. Obviously, it goes without saying, Josh, what, 124 Supercoach points. It doesn't matter if you think he's going to get that role or not. Look, he's, he's not going to get that exact role, um, but some variant of that role, he's just good enough to put in your team. You don't want a reverse POD that has the potential to pop out a 120 plus as a rookie. <laughs> Unbelievable game. 19 contested possessions in only 67% time on ground. Yeah, he was everywhere. Oh, Absolutely God. everywhere. So like, he couldn't have put on a better showing for our sides. Uh, I think he was out of a lot of teams after preseason one. Yep. Uh, he's mind. back in. So Sicily, the next one, 87 Supercoach points. Now, he was mostly locked down in this game. Uh, he did obviously peel off a little bit as he's so great in the air. Um, but I don't. I would say he was more locked down than he was intercepted this game. And I know Richmond have a taller forward line with uh, Lynch and uh, Rewa, obviously. So, and even Bolts are playing forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I understand this is not going to be the norm, but it just 
scares me enough to just say that maybe that floor is just going to creep up on him and it's it's just going to make it really difficult to average 100 to 105. I think, I mean, if he was playing lockdown, he scored 87. That's a pretty good outing. Like, it, it could it's, have been it's way fine. Worse. Yeah, no, it could have been. Um, it's fine. I, I just think he was fairly good whenever he had it, which I suppose is like he could just be a good player, obviously. But I just worry that the, this 87 is an 87 today, but um, it's 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 like a 75 on another day or a lower 70 score on another day against like a West Coast or um, someone like that. So I just have enough concerns in my head about Sicily to... He's not on my list. This is with the injury concerns as well. Uh, it's not purely role based, but he's not a he's not on my team. Uh, are you are you had him before this game? So what were your thoughts? I look. Uh, I went through the defenders again, and there's so many that are going to be so good. And I was like, do I really want to lock myself into a Sicily? And then I thought, well, he has around 14 buy. I could trade him at the buy to one of these top end defenders as kind of like a one up advantage. You know, take. Take this this starting capital saving on the other premiums. You know, 110k is probably going to get up to 500k odd, and then at the buy, you know, trade into one of those guys. And I, I considered it, and I've still considered it. But at the end of the day, I thought the way my team structure is going. Um, spoiler alert: at the moment, I've dropped down to three premium midfielders, and I'm like, I I don't want to pick a guy. I don't want to lock in a trade on somebody who's not the best at line if I'm going down to 11 premiums, which is the least I've ever had in Supercoach. I'm like, you know what? I'm only going to pick guys that I'm like very comfortable are going to be the top end picks. So that's that's why I've fallen off him. But I really don't think he's a bad pick for anyone else that wants to take him. I think he's completely just a fine pick. Yeah, you're giving out a few too many spoilers there though, Pistol. Too many. Um, <laughs> More than ever before. It's a brand new year. I know because it's going to change a million a times. Yeah, so. that's true. Uh, Jaden Short, 138 Supercoach points. Sorry, actually, I will I will quickly go back to the Finn McGuinness 50 and the... What did McDonald end up scoring? McDonald kind ends up scoring 52, 52. 16 touches. Um, I think McDonald's fairly locked into the side. He looked great. Um, I, I, not mean, a CBA midfielder, but... <laughs> yeah, they're all fine. I just don't think Finn McGuinness is getting selected round one. I think he's more of the subtype. Yeah. Um, it's just my opinion on it. But if he gets named round one... Um, he is what he is. He's, he's kind of him and Durden similar. I think Durden's slightly better if I were to put them in a in a vacuum. So well, Jaden Shaw, McGinnis has uh, a better role than Durden, but I think job security yeah, is does. way worse because you got Titch, yeah. who's like kind of in a race to be fit for round one. And if Titch doesn't play, I guess McGinnis probably goes in and they do a bit of a shuffle. You know, Ward Ward gets the same role. Um, I just don't see it with a full healthy Hawthorne. So, Jaden Short, um, yep. 138 Supercoach points, had a great preseason one as well. Uh, there's nothing else I can say about him. I think he's an absolute lock for his price this year. Um, I can see 105 plus with ease, in my opinion. I think he can get closer to the 110. Um, I think you're a little bit lower than that on him, but I just, with there's the limited sample size without Huli is around the 105 average mark. And that's with a sporadic Hooli in, Hooli out. Like, he's going to get a full season at it. He's fully trained into that role. I think 105 plus is a bare minimum for sure. I think he's going to crush it. I'd take 105 every day of the week. So I am, and that's why he's on my side. 
Oh, well, there we go. I, I thought there was a small chance he wasn't in your side there. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dustin Martin, 105. This this epitomizes why I don't like Dusty as a pick. Um, he dominated this game. He, he got a lot of the ball, um, but just 105 super coach points. I think a lot of people see the 105 and, and just say, oh, you know, Dusty's in second or third gear, or he could do this, he could do that, he could kick more goals, and he could do all of those things, but Dusty just doesn't score huge from large disposal games. It's actually the goals that prop up his ceiling a lot. Um, so if he's losing full time, look, he can, he'll still get on the end of bags, even with smaller full time. He's that good. Um, but the disposals just don't really do it for him. He's, he just butchers the ball a little bit too much. And I'm off the dusty pick completely. Um, you might be a little bit easier on it, but I'm off it. If I was picking a third premium forward, it would be dusty for me. So I'm not. So I won't be taking him, but that's kind of where I rate him for those that are thinking of picking a third premium forward. I think he's a pretty safe bet to go 90 plus, probably even 95 plus. I don't think we're going to be that's missing. True. We're not going to be missing like a, you know, a 180 score from Dusty. I, I don't really see that happening, but he could certainly pepper this 105 weekly and I wouldn't be surprised by that. And you know what? I'll pay 20, 30K more to get him during the season. It is, it is what it is. Well, he actually generally drops during the season. Uh, last couple yeah. of years, he's, he's shed 80K at some point in the season. <laughs> Didn't you get him at um, his cheapest price? That I got him at his like, most expensive <laughs> price last year um, and then had him at his cheapest price. Um, but yeah, I would I would implore people to go and look at fan footy and just look at his 34 or 33 disposal, two goal, what well, maybe it was one goal. Um, and he had like 104 super coach points last season. And it just... It, is the definition of how Dusty sort of plods along these days. He's just not efficient by foot, and it really hurts him. Hugo Ralph-Smith, uh, a lot of people are hot on him after this game. He scored 72. It's really hard to put into context for people who didn't actually watch the game. He wasn't brilliant until the second half. Um, second half, he, he played well, but Daniel Rioli, 79. I think they just both sort of played similarly, and they're both just going to either get the role or not get the role or be in and out. Um, I think they were, who were they missing for this game of last one? Yeah, um, that's right. So he's to come back into the team. I, I just, I think there's room for one of them and I think Rioli's probably favoured, but if he's not, it's only a matter of time, um, unfortunately for Al Smith. So I'm just not buying into that lack of job security on that price. No, I'm with you there. And lastly, we have Gipkus, who we've spoke about before. Um, Grimes is out for, I think it's the first one or two weeks, but I think Gipkus would have played anyway because Bolter looked handy up forward. Um, 65 yep. super coach points. He had 13 touches, only the two marks, and still managed to, to score 65 super coach points. How did you see his game, JB? Uh, he played great, in my opinion. Um, the problem with Gibkis is I don't know how much better he can actually play. Uh, and he only scored 65, so he was super efficient by foot. Uh, he took a good couple of contested marks, intercept marks, and um, essentially they, they weren't afraid to use him exiting the defense, which makes me think that they're just very confident in his kicking ability around the ground, which is great for, a, a, obviously, a teenager. The problem is, with all that considered, he only scored 65 points. He's going to put out some 40s. He's going to put out some low 50s. He's probably going to put out a couple of 80s, um, but I just don't know how it all lines up in regards to what he's doing and what specific week for him to actually make a lot of coin for us. I am not a really big fan of selecting, I guess, def key defenders. I know that there's something there and it's like a, a special type of player, but 
He's going to be really good. He will. I'm just saying. He really will. Good. But just for Supercoach, it's more the – if he was 123K, I'd get around it. But paying 171K for somebody who I think has got a very limited scoring potential, it doesn't really sit right with me. And unfortunately, there's a lack of choices. So a lot of us, are, I guess you would say this is one of those forced picks where, hey, we don't have that many defender rookies, so – Kind of got to do what we kind of got to do, and that doesn't sit super well with me. So that's that's one of the reasons I currently have a mid price for a D five is to avoid having to pay up on Gibkiss. But I don't know how that will go. I could very well end up with him in my round one side as well. So we'll see which way the cookie crumbles when teams are announced. Perfect way to sit on the fence right there. Uh, we're going to go <laughs> over to the next match, was which was Port Adelaide versus Adelaide. Um, firstly, for the Port side, I mean. How much more do we need to talk about Zach Butters? He's the highest averaging player in the entirety of the preseason. 114. Didn't even look like he played that good of a game, by the way. Uh, if you watch that one back, that's not the game I would advise you to watch uh, to, to get convinced on Zach Butters. That would be more so preseason game one. Uh, but this one, you could see that he wasn't playing his best, wasn't on the end of every kick, and he still scored 114. There just can't be any doubts in anyone's minds at this point. I thought he was the second highest scoring player of the preseason. Uh, agree to disagree. <laughs> I thought Took Miller went 149 and 140 off the top of my head. I think that just... Mm. I don't, actually, it depends how high Butters went the first one. I think it was like 167. It was 167, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to fact check this. You you, you talk. No, it's, it's fine. Zach Butters lock. I don't think we need to discuss it anymore. It's, it's only 440K, so, you know, great pick there. Um, JB, I need you to talk to me though, because I desperately need to know about some of these Port Adelaide rookies. The first one I'm going to talk to is Jed uh, McNT. He is 123k forward midfield eligible. Um, 36 super coach points. Um, sorry, 58 super coach points, 13 possessions, um, played 80% time on ground. Is he somebody that could be a round one starter? Um, yeah, I think he can be. I think he's ahead of Motlop at this point, which is good. They they love him a lot. They picked him in the mid-season draft last year um, from the Sandful. He was in great form there. So I think he's the, they've sort of turned him into a half-forward from uh, he was playing as a midfielder. I, I think we like him. I think we like him a lot. And the fact that he featured in both preseason games, he was in the first, um, like the first starting 18 on the field, in preseason two, which you know, sort of says a lot about his potential job security. I think he's definitely ahead of Motlop. He's going to start the season in the side um, with or without Robbie Gray, who's in a race to be fit for round one. I think he survives when Robbie Gray comes back, but it becomes a week-by-week proposition. And not only that, it becomes a week-by-week proposition as to whether he even makes any money for us. So 58, he was great. He, he sort of let up the ball. He, got, he was more high half forward than forward pocket, which is great. Um, and he's very classy with the ball, but he's just, I just don't see that role producing this amount of points every week. He's going to put out some 30s and 40s, and I just, I'd rather not pick McEntee, um if I can help it. So just putting you on the spot, him versus Durden? I'd pick Durden. All right. And then let's let's move on to Mead, Jackson Mead, 24 super coach points and 63% time on ground. Just the eight touches. Yeah. How do you see his job security? Because I, I know a lot of people had him in their sides. Well, we can we can pencil him straight out. If he does play, um, he's going to be in that high half forward role, and he's just not as good as uh, not as good at it 
as McEntee. So they're going to have similar job security if both are in round one. McEntee's better at the role. Mead just not quite actually up to speed yet. I think high wraps coming out of last season, but he just he just looks a little bit behind it. So Mead, I think he's, he, he shouldn't be further away from our teams. All right. And luck, lucky last one I'm going to ask you is about uh, one of the seven deadly sins. Um, Joshua, 28 super coach points. He came on um, as a sub, so he only played in the second half, 43% time on ground. How do you see yep. his chances for round one? He played well when he came on. Uh, so we were on top of the game at that point and um, largely, not largely because of him, he only scored 28. He obviously didn't set the world on fire, but everything he did, it was so clean. It was so, um, I think his decision-making already at this level is really good. Um, I'd be surprised if Port didn't recognize that and, and give him a chance early. Just whether that's in round one is yet to be seen, but we'll see him early. So um, I'm I'll pick one. him if he was named. Okay. Round one. All right. So if you if he's not named and you're going down the Wilmot, maybe I'll put him at D8 type of route. Would you be picking Wilmot or would you be picking Sin? I'd be picking Wilmot for sure. All right. So Sin just too expensive. And, and the fact that Wilmot's out for suspension, there's there could be an argument that he would actually play round one. Um, if Sin's not playing round one, it's because he's been selected not or not selected on form. So um, he'll have to get back through the sand for that. Could take one week. It could take you know five weeks. So I'd be more confident picking Wilmot in that position. All right, take us through the crows. Yeah, so the crows. There's not a lot to talk about. First of all, Rochelle, their um their new rookie, obviously their high draft pick from last season, 184k, scored another 85 points, showing the preseason one performance wasn't a fluke um, I don't think there's any doubt you just put him in your side yep. uh, true or false yep um, go <laughs> Mitch Hinge had a huge first half I think he was on 48 points at half time only finished with a 64 had a bit of a complaint on the, the shoulder obviously that's why he's missed training this week 180k if he's selected round one we just pick him true or false true perfect I mean uh, look, Jake- there's an argument that he might Ooh. be injury prone because of you know Copping shoulder, shoulder knock. But if he's best 22 and he's got that scoring potential at his price from the lack of defensive options, then yeah, just a true, true. <laughs> Jake Saliga, 117k mid. They're going to have a few outs for round one, including Rory Laird, obviously, with that broken hand. He scored 45 points. Um, you'll have his time on ground there. I don't. Um, 117k midfielder. Is he a bailout? I, I just think his job security in the team will be pretty bad after maybe three weeks, four weeks, um, and it only gets worse from there. So I'm hesitant to pick Sligo, even if he's named round one. How do you feel? They need to get Dawson to the side. They need to get Miller into the side. It's very possible that Sligo doesn't outlast, you know, two people coming into that side. And then you've got Laird coming back in probably like week four. Um, So I don't really think he's going to make a lot of money. He's probably someone you could put on your bench at M11 at best. But then again, there's probably better options. So it's a pass for me. And I think uh, if Adelaide were going to invest in someone now, they're probably desperate to get Luke Peddler into that side. They play him at all costs. But unfortunately, he also um, hurt his hammy and was subbed after 15% time on ground. So still managed to score 25 super coach points um, because he kicked a goal. But... I'd yeah, be, there's a goal in that. With that forward status, I'd be more interested in potentially picking up Luke Pedler if he depends either round one or if he comes in, you know, at the beginning of the season just as a downgrade option. 
yeah, I think he'll be an upgrade as the season goes along. Um, lastly, for Crows, Wayne Miller um, obviously didn't play the match, played in the Rezies game, got through uninjured, no longer a COVID um, close contact, which held him out of the first one. Very unfortunate that because I think he would have played VFL potentially in the first one and then the main in the second one. Um, or the other way around, whichever it was. Unfortunately, we just didn't get to see him at all. Um, I think that just results in us not being able to pick him. I feel the same way about Dawson, where he's been injured, yep. and I'm sure without Laird, he's going to play as an inside mid, and he's probably going to be awesome for the first month. But I haven't seen him, and I don't really want to pick a player without having seen them at all in a new club. So, um, yeah, better to be safe than sorry with that one, just in case something's horribly wrong. So uh, pass on both of them for me, I think. Yep, I'm going to move on to the St. Kilda versus Essendon match. Uh, I'm going to start with St. Kilda and start with Ron Marshall. He scored 100 on the dot. I think a lot of people, again, uh, upset by the Proust um, suspension for round one, got Ron Marshall into their sides briefly for this one uh, and then just realized that it's probably not worth the risk. You are really relying on forward status and it's kind of a... Um, double-edged sword in which if Ryder's playing, he's getting forward status but not scoring as well. If Ryder's not playing, he's not getting forward status but he's scoring better but not quite up to the top three rucks. So I, I just think it's really difficult to justify the Marshall selection. I I don't hate it, but I, I don't think it's, either, it's something I would advocate for either. It really depends if we get any more Ryder news before round one. If they said Ryder's out for like the first month or first six weeks, I'd be tempted just because those you know Ryder injuries tend to linger. Um, but you know, for what we've heard so far, they plan on trying to maximize the amount of games Ryder will play this season by like taking better care of him. And maximizing Ryder games is not good for Rowan Marshall. No. Jade Gresham, another one, uh, didn't score great. Just the 77 points. Not too bad for his price range, but uh, there, there are just so many better options than Jade. I don't even know if he warrants um, speaking about. Jack Steele, another one, 89 supercoach points. Only just got out of second gear this game, so I'm not overly concerned there. What were your thoughts on those two? No, totally agree with both of what you're saying. I think uh, I wouldn't worry too much about how Jack Steele scores in the preseason because he's a bloody good player and he'll be a bloody good supercoach pick. Absolutely. Jack Hayes, the last one that I have here on the list, 60 supercoach points. Um, played really well. Competed a lot harder than what I thought he was capable of. Um, not that I think he's incapable of competing. I mean more so on ground level. For a ruckman, as soon as the ball hit the ground, usually it, it's done unless you're an elite ruckman or I could follow up ruckman like Brody Grundy or Tim English. But Jack Hayes, the big galoof, really got down, really tackled well, um, got the ball off the ground and, and handballed a couple of times. Uh, just looked good, looked really hungry. Um, I think he, when he gets games this season, it's a matter of when, not if, um, he's just going to be really, really good for the Saints and, and probably capable of putting out a few 50 to 60-plus scores for us um, if he gets on the back of a couple of goals, as he did in this game. I think I would pick him... If he gets named, I know people think, you know, it, it could be a one and done type situation like Ryder misses round one, comes back in and then straight away Hayes goes. But he's, he's a utility type and they do play with that sort of same height, weight sort of guy in Mason Wood in the forward line. Now, Mason Wood had an excellent game, so um, can't say anything bad about there. But I certainly think that Wood's not like locked into that Saint side either. And it's possible that Hayes outperforms him over if he gets a couple of weeks and could hold his place in the St. Kilda side. So 
I'm certainly not ruling out starting Hayes like I have with a lot of other rookies. It's, it's a definite wait and see, and that DPP uh, with that ruck forward status is really nice as well. Yeah, uh, he's he's one that hasn't really left my side in a while. The money is pretty good as well, 102K. Uh, really does enable a little bit more, especially if there's not any um, forward rookies going up. Uh, my question for you is if you go really deep in the forward line, would you pick Durden or would you pick Jack Hayes? Ugh. Pick with the job security if I'm picking my bench spot. I, I wouldn't take, let's say, Martin Martin from uh, Essendon at 102K and then also take Jack Hayes just because I think the job security, they could both get dropped after one round. That would kill you. So I would then pick Durden over one of them. Um, and that's probably what I would do. But one for one, if I already had someone else on my bench, let's say I'm choosing between... Oh, it's tough. I definitely would select him if his names. I think that's probably where I'd be going yeah. with this this question. I think I think that's the be all and end all. Uh, and Durden just could just put out a bunch of forties and dribble along. So um, I think it's quite safe to take Hayes if he's playing. Uh, he's got that really high potential. I really like him as a player, by the way. Um, I'm surprised he wasn't on a list before, like this last ditch sort of effort. It's just, so it's not tall enough for a ruckman, and then he's only one ninety four, so he's like not tall enough for a ruckman, and he's not really a pure forward. It's too like athletic yeah. for that, so it's, it's just I think his yeah height didn't help him out there. I mean, he's probably a little bit shorter than Patrick Cripps. Just turn him into a midfielder. Yeah, almost pretty much good. Um, on the Essendon side, Darcy Parish another good showing, 116 Supercoach points. He has looked nothing but amazing in his preseason. The only issue is, and it still stands, that he is just a bit of a tag merchant, and I think he's the first guy they go to because he's easily in the top five most damaging players in the competition when he's play, playing at his best. So I just think he's a difficult start, but I understand people who are selecting him and I'm not willing to talk anyone out of someone who could average 120. No, I think he's a great pick, to be honest with you. Not, you know, as I said, I'm down in my midfield starting premium selections, but if I was going deeper, I, w- I would be considering Parish. I think he's going to be a really good pick this season. I think Jai Coldwell definitely ruled himself out of any team that he was still remaining on after this game. He he just wasn't <laughs> only 111 wasn't, super coach points. I know, I know, but like with I think he he just needed the other players missing for him to get up to those heights. I just don't know if that translates. So, so Zach Merritt missed the the second half, and yeah. Caldwell moved into the midfield and scored. I think it was like 71 or 78 in the second half and yep. really struggled before then he couldn't get into the game. He just doesn't have the role. Like It's as simple as that. If if he was in the midfield and he had less good midfielders, um, then I would be picking Carwell. He just doesn't have the role, unfortunately, so it, it becomes a non-selection. What did you see from Jordan Ridley in this one in regards to the kickouts? Uh, 99 super coach points, so right around what I think I personally expect him to average. is probably 100 on the dot. Uh, what were your views on this one? <laughs> Look, he got majority of the kickouts, which was great. But this is kind of the game I expect from him. He's going to have a high floor. He's going to have a low ceiling. He's going to, he's going to pepper the 100 mark every single week. So I don't feel like he's amazing value. Kind of just a safe enough selection, but not kind of value enough for him to start my side when I feel like my other forwards, sorry, defenders are probably, I guess, hold more value. Just lastly, Nick Martin as well in this one. Only played the second half. Only scored 50 Supercoach in that time. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 16 disposals. Um, really, really dominant display. If he was ever going to get selected, it was going to be on form in the preseason, and he's done nothing wrong uh, to sort of prove the selectors right. I hope he's named 102K forward rookie with this sort of scoring potential, does excite me. He would need to be named in round one for me to select him. I know it sounds silly, but he's not someone like a Wilmot that I think, oh, I'll just pick him and then he'll come into the side because he's very well. He could be like 25th on the Essendon list, like nowhere near the 22. It's really hard to judge with this with this Essendon side. But if he you know, is named, I feel like he could hold his spot. So that's kind of my... Um, criteria and whether I select him or not going into round one but I'm hoping he gets names because he suddenly becomes a fieldable option yeah definitely fieldable I mean he's shown exactly that in this entire preseason uh, Ben Hobbs one that didn't make the field so obviously if you've got him uh, anywhere in your team then don't get rid of him um, that will probably move us on to the next game let me, let me circle around before you jump jump away oh, do it. I want to just circle circle back. Let's take it back to Saints for a second. Um, Billings out for the first four weeks of the season, as is Hunter Clark. So there are some spots up for grabs in the St. Kilda side. We saw Mitch Owens get subbed on and play the final quarter um, and score 39 supercoach points just in one quarter, which was really impressive, especially because it wasn't through any goals. He uh, had the four touches and the three tackles. Um, just did good things. And... I don't think he'll get the midfield spot because they got like Bytel and I know they're like desperate to, they always try and get games into him. But if he is named at 117K mid rookie, his scoring potential could be really good. So definitely at least something to watch going into the, the team announcements. Good circling by you, Pistol. I appreciate Thank that. Um, so Giants versus Magpies, um, or could you say Flagpies? No, you, you definitely couldn't say that after that performance. Okay, sorry. Um, so GWS is Collingwood. Josh Kelly, 161 supercoach points. He loves tempting us. He had 41 touches. Um, looked incredible. You cannot start Josh Kelly. If you pick Josh Kelly after this game, don't let him win. This is what he wants you to do. He wants you to pick him, and then he wants to either get concussed or you know do like a groin or just some form of injury that will really just infuriate you. And then GWS will tell you that it's a two-week injury, and he will not return for another month. Please don't start Josh Kelly. That's my biggest advice in this preseason. So nothing else even matters. If you don't start Kelly, you're a chance for the 50K. If you, don't, if you do start Kelly, you're zero chance for the 50K. So what you're telling me, 
is I shouldn't pick him over Oliver for the fourth year in a row. No, unless you plan on trading him to Oliver. How am I going to find this extra cash? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, get him out. <laughs> do, what you could do is you could drop him all the way down to Stephen Cornelio, who is maybe the biggest lock in Supercoach history. That might be a bit of a stretch. 261K, he's got 112 Supercoach points. Not even up for discussion. We're just going to move on. Tim Taranto, 108, but he played an exclusive forward role. Um, you probably have the CBAs in front of you somewhere, but it wasn't enough. Um, he's playing forward in the absence of Toby Green, obviously, and it's just not going to translate to big super coach points every week like it did today. I mean, Collingwood were absolutely woeful. Um, Taranto just had the six CBAs from 27. So he definitely what was majority forward, but big majority forward, large majority, some would say. So look, it was just a good day. For, for for GWS, they were hunting the pies and Taranto got a lot of the ball, you know, as simple as that. And he had a good game. I mean, to be honest, 31 touches, nine marks and two goals. You probably expect more than 108 super coach points. So I don't even know if I'm like, would be super happy with that from Taranto, but it's kind of the Taranto we're getting used to where he gets bulk possessions and doesn't score super well. So yeah, I think uh, just a not starting option for me but someone who is a starting option jb lucky whitfield 96 mm. super coach points i don't think he looked very good in this game because he was really outside but the ball wasn't there gws were having fun with collingwood collingwood wasn't having fun and lucky whitfield didn't even need to do much to score 96 23 touches so he missed a few targets as well. I remember thinking like, oh, he's, he's a many. little bit rusty in this match. <laughs> no, no, obviously not too many, but um, there was one obvious handball through the middle that he just f- missed by about a meter, which was very unlucky, Whitfield-like. Uh, and I remember another kick just going a little bit astray, which I was like, oh, that's that's very unlike him. Um, maybe I saw the only two clangers of the game. He only but- had three, so you, you, okay. you nearly nailed all of them. <laughs> there you go. So 96 Supercoach points. He, for me, and I was having this discussion on Twitter, I just want to say that the injuries that he gets, uh, I don't want to say luck-based because they've happened enough and it's the same discussion I have about Rao. Rao, to, to, to most people, isn't injury-prone because he's a tackle or two tackles away from not having an injury in his career, essentially. Um, Whitfield, I feel, is similar. And I know he's too hard at it for his own good. He usually does get a contact injury a year, but... He, he just might not. They're kind of luck-based injuries. And if he doesn't, he has the upside of 110. And I'm, I remember everyone picking him at 600K before we realized that he had the kidney issue last year. And that obviously took him a long while to get back into. He's now at this blessed price of 500K. And people are now playing chicken with Lockie Whitfield. I don't want him as a reverse POD. I think he can definitely go 110. And one of the easier picks of the year, I think. Speaking of uh, playing chicken with somebody, how would you go playing chicken with Braden Proust? Uh, um, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I think he would win it quite easily. He's so He's massive. Big. <laughs> to his own to his own detriment, uh, he obviously got suspended for tackling Brody Grundy in this game and um, isn't going to play round one. I I want to quickly touch on the tactic of starting him anyway. Um, I think I know what you're going to say, but I, I just want to ask, is he in your considerations, even at R3? Mm, R3? Probably not, to be honest. I, in a usual year, probably yes. But honestly, we have so many decent forward 
mid-price options that I think can go like 80 plus. I'm talking if you want me to rattle off some names. I think McGovern looks really strong. You've got Will Brody, who's put out back-to-back tons in the preseason. You have um, Cherry might be the number one ruck for North Melbourne, all listed in the forward line, all roughly the same price as Pruce, and all have, I guess, almost equal upside or, or better upside given Pruce is playing alongside Flynn. So I just feel like why... Why take the risk at the third ruck, especially when we have a playing third ruck? So the opportunity cost is there. Again, if you if you do that, you're either not picking Dixon, who's going to play, I'd say, the first month at least for, for West Coast, or Hayes, if he, Sam Hayes, or I guess either Hayes, if they get names round one. So yeah, there's an opportunity cost as well. So it's like a double kablammy there. So yeah, it's, it's, a, not, it's a non-option for me. I don't feel like I can even spend... The Proust money super well on my field because then I can't pick one of these mid prices that I want to pick. So it's just like, yeah, I don't I don't see a massive benefit this year and going out of my way to try and start Proust. Even if I played league and didn't care about round one, I don't think I would start him. I agree. I think you summarized it pretty well there. I would usually add a little bit to your little spiel, but no, I think you smashed it. So uh, Brody Granny 117. I had someone on Twitter telling me that he wasn't the easiest pick of the year, um, and I just considered blocking them. I'm open to other opinions, but Brody Grundy is, for me, the easiest pick of the season. Jack Crisp, 111, playing in the new CBA role. Um, a, a product of that is Pendlebury and Nick Dacos scoring 102 and 100, respectively. Um I think he has the potential for 105 plus in that role, Jack Crisp. He becomes super attractive when you consider that and the fact that he's likely going to play 22 matches as he has every single season. I'd say incredibly likely given how many games he's played in a row now, over 150 consecutive games. So look, I I don't think he's like amazing value because he's still priced at what's 106.9, 105.9. So it's not like an incredible value, but you get a player with a high floor that plays every game. I just feel really comfortable with the selection. And he had the most CBAs for Collingwood um, outside Grundy. So Collingwood had 27 um, as a team and Crisp had 16, which was the most. Jordan Dugowie had 15, which is second most. And I do expect Crisp to be somewhat within that vicinity um, throughout the season as well. So look, it feels like a really safe pick. Not every single pick has to be value. You can you can sometimes just take the safe option. Yep. Um, speaking of that, Nick Dacos, safe option. If you're considering him in or out of your side, then, I mean, I don't know what you've been doing thus far. He's probably going to get some defensive status as well, which is just a cherry on the cake. So um, he's probably going to help us out a little bit in defense after round six, which is great. Um, Jordan Degoe, I want to discuss quickly. So 74 super coach points. He looked like the best player on the ground in the first quarter and a half, and then he sort of dropped off. It was kind of like he had an interrupted preseason with <laughs> everything going on outside of football and then a further interrupted preseason with the rib injury. So um, he played like that, and I think they sort of managed him a little bit like that. Um, his CBAs probably go up a little bit. In, when the season starts, he probably averages more than 74, closer to 100 to 105. But it's just really difficult to start the year with him after seeing this as his only performance. So I suppose we can sort of expect realistically that he's going to start the season a little bit slower and build into it. Um, that just makes him a perfect upgrade target to me. He had, as I said, 15 center bounce attempts and he, he basically got rested in the last quarter forward. He only had 71% time on ground. So he, he probably would have been Collingwood's leading 
CBA midfielder yeah. for the day. So put some that's that's some context there. So for me, he's going to be a good super coach selection. I think I can't start with him in round one because he might be a little bit underdone, and he just looms as a fantastic upgrade target. So he look. He's probably I'm just gonna to have to pay more money for him, even if he starts slow, just because he's you know priced quite cheaply. But you know it's um, some I guess sacrifice have to meet somewhere. I, I I don't think he's ruled out of starting sides though. If you're looking for a third forward yeah. and you don't want Dusty, I think you can. Like he's a super viable. I've got selection. him over Dusty on my little shortlist. Yeah, no, I think he's totally viable as a selection. Pat Lipinski obviously hurt his ankle in the first quarter. If you were considering him still on track for round one, I've heard, um, but you, you just can't start him. I, I mean, I don't think there was a lot of scope to start him anyway, uh, especially with someone who played in the last round of the or last game of the preseason coming through, but now it's just obviously a line through him, isn't it? Yeah, and I think in the other injury news, we had um, Murphy, Nathan Murphy, I think he dislocated his knee or something like that. He was out for like two months and Kruger got KO'd and then also suspended when he bumped Ward. <laughs> so he got the double for Blamo. Um, <laughs> he wasn't really an option at 198K, um, just, you know, key type of forward sort of role. Not quite, but at least somewhat. So scoring. He was for there. a second there. I brought him up in the chat when he like had four scoring chains in a row. And I was like, wait, this guy's a 198K defender. And then literally 20 seconds later, I'm like, okay, don't worry. Hey, He's gone. <laughs> um, yeah, the double Kablamo. Look, I think with Collingwood's injuries right now, especially down back, we're going to see Will Kelly named round one. And I just want to say right now, Will Kelly is not an option for Supercoach. He might play the first three weeks until Roughhead is fit again. And once Roughhead is fit again, Will Kelly will not be playing as a defender because Charlie Dean will also be fit and he'll be the secondary guy. And I guess we still have Imagine somewhere in the background. But then Will Kelly, who has been training as a forward for the whole preseason, has only been thrown back out of desperation, is behind these players like Nathan Kruger in the forward line, um, still behind people like Hoskin Elliott and stuff like that. I just... I, I get he's got this nice DPP mid uh, forward defender, but Will Kelly also plays for Collingwood to play early most weeks, which means he's not even a viable loopholing option. So I don't want to be stuck with somebody who doesn't make any money um, on my bench for like the whole season. So I don't think I'm going to talk about him again, but I just wanted to make it loud and clear now. It would be good to start a mid forward defender though, wouldn't it? A mid forward uh, defender, yeah. Some TPP there. Um, all right. Well, that'll that'll do that game. I think we're going to move on to the Sydney versus North Melbourne match. Um, we've only got a couple more to go, so please bear with us. Um, for starters in this match, I'm, I'm going to start with Isaac Heaney. 113 SuperCoach points. Um, played predominantly forward, yeah. uh, which I think we sort of spoke about. Papley. Uh, not playing, not playing for the first few rounds. Uh, Buddy obviously getting rested because it's preseason. Why would he lace him up? Um, I think this this probably wasn't an accurate representation of how he is going to play for the majority of the season, but it's somewhere between preseason one and this game, I think, somewhere right between there. Their forward line just seems to always get injuries. I, I just don't trust that his role is going to be safe. But the good news is, is he's actually a good forward. He's got 113 up there. Um, I don't. You Obviously, you've got the CBAs in front of you. You can tell me if he did play any midfield, but essentially, he's good in the role that he plays, 
but he's still going to have high variance, I think, all season and be an injury risk. So I, I'm still off on him, but I could understand... I, I understand the pick. I understand most picks, but it's just not something that I would def, definitely not do. Swans had 23 uh, CBAs as a team, and Heaney only attended six of them. So you're right. His role was majority forward. I worry with Papley out for six weeks, they don't have too many other avenues for goals and if they did with Heaney in the midfield it would be slightly too predictable so therefore Heaney's probably going to have to play a little bit more forward than they had anticipated just so that they've got that variety of goal kicking options up forward so for me it's a yeah non, non-starter non yeah I definitely agree he's on my non-start list um, mostly for what he did last year but even when I remove those emotions um, a little bit because Supercoach shouldn't be played emotionally um, he just doesn't quite make sense with all the other selections around. So um, I'm going to move on to the next player, Dylan Stevens, uh, young Dylan Stevens, $167,000 midfielder. Um, look, he wasn't amazing, but he he just did enough. He started pretty well. He ended up with 63 super coach points. I think we all need to lock him in. I, yeah, look, I don't think he... I don't know if it's a lock, but I think he needs to be strongly considered. I think for a lot of people, he'll fall to M9. And I don't know, depending on which other rookies are named, like if you get sort of like an Owens or you want some sort of other 117 player or or Joyce, perhaps uh, if he comes in 102K for West Coast, I feel like these types of players you could use to fill out your bench potentially instead of him. So I don't know if it's like a... Hard lock, I think, but I, I do think it's a good pick, and we probably should pick him. Um, but you could kind of get away with it if you desperately needed to. Jake Lloyd, eighty-two. Sorry, just eighty-two, not one hundred and eighty-two. Uh, see how like natural it was for me to start saying a hundred after mentioning Jake Lloyd's name. For sure, um, he just scored eighty-two. I think he's had one ton in the last like eight preseason games. He's not a preseason player. Um, the concerning thing, however, is I think we thought he was really underpriced because Dawson going out opens up a lot of kick-ins. Um, those kick-ins seem to have been taken by, firstly, Nick Blakey took um, a few, and then the other one was Braden Campbell, I believe, uh, was taking some others over the preseason one. I don't know if he took many this preseason game, but definitely the just first one. Just Blakey and Lloyd in this one. I think Lloyd took okay. six and Blakey yep. took three, I think, off the top of my head there. Yeah, so I think that's just a little bit more of a concern. Maybe isn't presenting quite the value that we thought a few weeks ago, um, but still, it's it's hard to see him playing less than 20 games and averaging less than 105. He's a super safe pick again, kind of in that crisp mold, maybe even better because there's a little bit of upside now that Dawson's gone. I don't think much has changed in that regard. He's just... He's pretty expensive, and people really need that 10, 15K down to crisp. I can kind of see why they do it, um, but I, f- I think he's far from a bad selection. I think he's still a fantastic selection. I do have somewhat concerns just that, you know, Blakey was outstanding. You know, he had 28 possessions, 19 kicks, uh, and that, that's coming off the halfback. Um, you've got Campbell, who still is off the halfback, but is kind of like a not even a secondary option. He's kind of like a third option behind Blakey and Lloyd uh, yeah look the commentators were saying a lot about Sydney's game style was playing more direct and I could kind of see it but I also thought it was really similar to last season anyway um, I just I don't have any issues 
with the Lloyd selection. Probably I see him unfairly being taken out more than he probably should. I think it will be very similar points between like him, Stewart, um, Crisp. I think they'll all go really similar, um, in which case only if you're desperate for that little bit of extra money would I be removing Lloyd from my side. I think for me, Rich versus Lloyd is super, super close. And if you can get over the rich, like short, small amount of injuries, there's not many uh, soft tissue injuries. I think there's two in the last two seasons, um, which isn't non-existent. He's he's old, obviously. If you can get over those, I think it actually swings in the favor of Rich a little bit with those height and kickouts. But it's definitely interesting. It just depends if you're chasing the upside on these guys or you're noticing a little bit of a dangerous trend in your team as a lot of us are having to cheap out for mid-prices and just want to go to safety. Um, I'm going to move on to the Kangaroos side of things. Obviously, Horn Francis, um, again, 87 Supercoach points, did not have the best role, but he just has it. He's got that it factor. He's going to score well. Um, he's not going to score 87 per week. I think he can average 75 for the season, which is definitely more than enough. Um, he's just good. He's a good footballer, um, and he's going to score. I watched the game, and I was thinking, he's not that good. <laughs> he's not that special. <laughs> but every time he did something, I was like, oh, that was pretty good. Oh, that was pretty good. And then they all add up at the end of the game. I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, okay, fine. That kid's pretty good. <laughs> he, he he kicked two goals too. He won the freeze and got 11 contested possessions. I mean, everything he does is good for Supercoach which means his floor is going to be really high. He's going to make the 150K. He might make 200K. He's going to get forward status like definitely as well, which means I want to swing him into my forward line at the stage and he can last all the way to his round 14 by in the forward line. Even though he only had eight center bounce attendances from the 23, and I think that will decrease when they bring back their full um, contingent of midfielders, he's still going to score well just because of the way he plays the game. I don't really have any concerns over him. I kind of like, I, I wanted him to be bad so that I didn't have to pay up for him, yeah. but he's just so good. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I sit with it. <laughs> Taron Thomas, by the way, I do agree. Taron Thomas, only 70 points. Um, role was okay, but he didn't do enough, I think, to light us up and sort of just get us itching to pick him. He's going to be a good upgrade target, I think, during the season. Yeah, seven um, clangers doesn't help. <laughs> Yeah, no, not at all. Actually, it kind of makes it a little bit of value there. He probably could have scored higher. Yeah. Um, Tristan Sherry, 208K. This is the big talking point out of the game because he took over as the number one ruck. I think it's definitely their intention to make him the number one ruck solely um, by the end of the season. Unfortunately, Goldstein obviously just getting a bit long on the tooth and, and just... Just not quite up to scratch. We saw it last season. Um, Sherry, 96 Supercoach points, um, fit right in, and 200K, he could be one of the best cash cows of the season. Listed as a forward for those that didn't know as well, which it means there's really good potential here. I mean, here the monster stat stuffing game, 17 possessions, 5 marks, 6 tackles, 29 hitouts, 14 contested possessions. Like, this is a good game. And for those that were wondering where the hell Goldstein was, Goldstein did play, played a lot of forward. From the 23 um, CBAs, they split it with Goldstein getting seven and uh, Sherry getting 16. So he definitely played the number one ruck. I think there's going to be people yelling, what happens when 
CCJ is back in the side and is not injured? And it's a fantastic question. I don't know. I would love to see what happens. I hope that they would play Sherry's number one ruck still, but I technically they could just drop him entirely and play Goldstein as number one ruck. So there's it's not like a safe pick, but there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, a lot of upside. Like best cash dollar for dollar play in the league upside is, is where it is. Um, 208K is just, and he's gonna, I think the underrated thing is that he's going to, like, like if he's scoring well, if he's playing that the, the role that we expect, he's gonna get that ruck status and actually be a chop out for whichever rucks you choose to go with. Um, and that's kind of an underrated point as well. So, um, Sherry, very interesting. Um, very interesting, I think. So, and JB, that, if he gets ruck status, yes. and you know how our other rucks have the round 14 by. He now also will hey. get the round fourteen by, so that screws all of us. Right. Yes. <laughs> as as per the ruck rules of, of Supercoach. Um all right, that's gonna summarize that game. I think we're gonna head over to the Derby now. Before the we do last game. I'm gonna stop you oh, Lord. right there. Let's go. Just pa- yep, Paddy okay. McCartan, I think, is uh, a pretty right. solid selection. Yes. Seventy four Supercoach points. Had a good, really solid first half. Was a bit quiet in the second. 74 Supercoach points is a fantastic return, though. Only 157K with forward and defender DPP. I think he is a must-select. I put him in that category. And we've also got um, Callum Mills only played the first half and still scored 85 (laughs) Supercoach points. I mean, he's he's got this potential to be a 120-plus midfielder, no doubt about it. It's also injury-prone and coming back from an injury, and I don't think he's a starting selection. But you could keep your eye on him, and if he's playing really well, he's certainly an upgrade target. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, okay, now if I'm allowed to move over to the Derby. You may. Uh, there's, not a, there's not a lot of talking points on this one. Um, Tom Joyce, obviously potential 102K midfielder picked up by uh, West Coast, scored 56 super coach points in this one. Um, and I think Hugh is the other one, the the rookie Hugh. I'm trying to find what he actually scored there. <laughs> Wait, uh, Hugh a, Dixon? A 47. And, no, no, Brady Hugh. And then Hugh Dixon scored 45. So the three young West Coast players there, um, who do you have in your side out of those three? Uh, obviously, Joyce not in the game yet, but if he's 102K, then count him. If Joyce is 102K, he'll definitely be in my side. I just think he is a pretty decent ball winner. I mean, he had 17 touches and five marks. So I know he only scored, because he's playing outside, he only scored 56. But for 102K, he can get up to 250K quite quickly. So he'd be a lock in my side. I like him more than Hugh, Brady Hugh, who had uh, 14 touches and eight marks. I think he's been playing more um, as kind of uh, backman, I think. I mean, he was moving everywhere, but I think they might put him more as a small defenderish type part. So um, I don't think I'm going to select him in all honesty, but I, I, I think I'll start Hugh Dixon at R3. Um, he... Looks like he'll play. Didn't kick a goal, but he, he'll play as a key forward just while, you know, you've got Oscar Allen injured and um, Darling, Darling, obviously. Darling yeah, yeah, that whole big issue there. And you need some foil for JJK. So I think he's completely locked in the side at 102K. All it takes is one or two big games as a key forward to spike your cash gen. So I'm really excited um, for him as a selection. I think he's pretty much a 
like a guaranteed lock JB. The last one I'm going to throw though there at you is Patrick Nash. Only played the second half, I believe, or came in in the second half in the third quarter. Still managed to rack up 14 touches and three marks, 58 super coach points. He's probably going to come in at about 180 odd K. I don't know if he's going to get DPP, like forward mid, or if it's just going to be a pure midfielder. Regardless, is he in contention for your starting side? What do you think he's going to be priced at? About 180 odd. Sorry, yeah, about 180 odd. Yeah, if he was defender status, definitely. <laughs> Take anyone um, for defender status. <laughs> yeah, mid forward doesn't stand out to me, no. What about him versus Durden, though? For the extra 40K, I think I'd just rather start Durden at that point. It's a bit tough. I don't know. Can I fence him? I mean, again? there's a reason Nash was dropped from a list like just last season. So I, I don't know either. He's a ball it's, winner, it's very though. difficult. I like these ball winners. Ball winners are good, but you could argue Durden's a good ball winner as well. He uh, he had 45 super coach and a half. I mean, he didn't win. He kicked goals, two goals. I wouldn't say super coach winner but but you need you need the ball to kick goals <laughs> i know that's the dumbest or smartest thing someone said to me today <laughs> it's it's probably on the fence just like you are um all right well i'm gonna move over to the free mental side so you can stop talking about ridiculous rookie selections um no it's plenty of fences here yeah there are there are plenty of fences no no offense um andrew brachel caleb strong 101 and 100 each um I, I just think it's impossible to start either with the um the massive log jam in the in the midfield section. Will Brody, however, a hundred points. No five in this one. And I think Darcy Tucker was the other one missing yep. out. Yep. Um look, he might get knocked down a peg in the in the pecking order, but if he gets anywhere near the role that he's had so far, I think uh, what does he need? He probably needs about a 75, 78 average as well. Um Less, that should yeah, be probably well like within 70. his grasp. Yeah, he, he's gone back-to-back tons in the preseason now. Um, well within his grasp, I'd imagine. It sucks because I feel like I can only afford two of the three of McGovern, Brody, and Cherry. And uh, I I like... I mean, it, it kind of feels stupid to not pick Brody when he's had back-to-back tons. Like, it just seems really silly. I know Fife is going to come in and he'll eat some of the midfield time, but like Crowden had, what, is 22 CBAs? And like, surely that's not sustainable. So... Brody only had 67% time on ground. I just feel like this will be his role in round one and he'll get given the opportunity. And if he's good at it, he'll just stay in this role. So kind of seems just like really silly to just like pass it because he might lose some of his role or scoring potential in the side. I don't know. Uh, Maybe one of those picks will go badly and he'll have to use a correction in round three and that's kind of where I'm at with it. But for now... I feel like he's just a no-brainer to just pop in your side. So now that we've spoken about the ball, Brody, Cherry, McGovern, how do you rank them? Oh, boy. No, so I, I have probably Brody, McGovern, Cherry, I think. Yeah. What about you? I, I, I'm I'm McGovern, Brody, Cherry, but I think McGovern, obviously, he's just so much safer in the 22 and in his role, so... I just think he's really, really difficult to pass up on. But Brody's close second. I think both of them are just like easy selections if you can get a, get your head around the actual mid-price madness that we're going to have to go through this season. Um, I don't Sean Darcy, <laughs> 95. Neither do I, trust me. 95. Um, what, what was his fantasy score? I don't know if you have that there. but 47. Um, 
yeah, so I think he just showed exactly what he's capable of. Um, the, the scary thing is obviously the knocks to his body. I know you're off of him. I'm still on the fence about him. Um, I'd love to start him, but I think it's just, look, we're going to discuss how our teams are set up shortly, very shortly, I promise. Um, and it's it might be eye-opening, but essentially we're both comparatively to past seasons the riskiest we've probably ever been. And to then just keep on stacking risks on risks on risks everywhere else, like Darcy over Gorn. Um, some people are picking cheaper midfielders over Took Miller or Jackson McRae or um, Lockie Neal. And it, it's, it's just, yeah, it's to keep on stacking these risks, it's going to break the damn wall at some point. And... I just don't want to be facing four must trades in one round and think, why did I not just start the ever reliable Max Gorn chasing 10 points per game upside at best? So I just think Darcy falls on that side of things. I understand people. I mean, if you're trying to win the 50K, I think it's justifiable. I mean, we're all trying to win the 50K, but if you're really going, you know, make or break, I think it's all justifiable. Darcy's obviously could be the, the highest scoring player in the game this season, but it's just another risk. And I, I don't think I can take it as much as I want to, Pistol. Said, Any other year, I would take it. He's had four preseason injuries already. Four. Yeah. That's that's a lot of injuries. And not just that, in this game, he, he KO'd Lob. It could have been him, <laughs> you know, in that clash. So... It's just, yeah, it's it's ridiculous how many niggles that this guy gets throughout a season, throughout a game. I I understand the pick, but it's just no. It's just a no for me. I, I want the twenty two. I don't want to have to stress about it. I know we have covered this year, which is great, but it's just too much with the rest of my team's risk profile. So, JB, I'm going to throw another one at you because he's currently my mid pricer of choice in the back line. Heath Chapman, eighty six super coach points. 23 touches, eight marks. What do you see here with Chapman? 275K, I should say, defender. Yeah, I, th- I think he was on about 60-odd at half time. Yeah, uh, he, was dom- he dominated the first half. Um, look, it's all there for, for people to see. I think we need to share a YouTube video on our socials because I'm going to reference it of him, his highlights in the preseason. And he's really like unquantifiable kind of like what Zach Butters is to me. He obviously doesn't have the run of games that you're looking at for a lot of fallen mid-prices. He doesn't have a role change. There's nothing outstanding that sort of changed with Chapman to make me go, oh, Lord, now he's underpriced. Like, let's get on him. He's played six matches, and half of them were like scores under 60. So, look, there's every chance this guy is a bad pick pistol. I want to really, really like hammer that through before I start talking positively. Um, the the butters side of things that I reference is just the unquantifiable good at the game, like eye test through the roof, good interceptor, good rebounder, good kick, very quick. Um, I'm starting to rhyme a bit. Uh, <laughs> just just sort of ticks every single box of what you would expect, whether we're a year too early on it, to be seen um, but I just think he's got all the potential and if he didn't perform as well as he did this preseason he'd be on zero radars but he dominated he he looked really good and I think he's going to have some big scores in him this season um, 
Whether that translates to this, I think he needs an 80 average approximately. I'm not sure, but I think there's going to be a run of games where he scores well enough to be able to upgrade him from a, a nice price hike up to 400 to 450K. And that's enough. One of the things that I kind of learnt from last season was I tried not to consider players that had the role I expected them to and then just like overperformed in the preseason. So I expected Chapman to have the role that he currently has. He didn't change clubs. There was no surprise, oh, he's now the number one ruck um, with with the Cherry situation. So obviously I wasn't considering him before the preseason. Um, But Chapman was on my radar a month ago, and I have receipts, JB, if anyone wants to call me on it. Um, He is an amazing player by eye test. So I figured at some point it's going to be super coach relevant. I didn't know if it would be this year or next, but his first preseason game, he scored 107 super coach points. He's come back here with 86. Wilson is now out with likely a LTI, which means... It is an LTI. Yeah, it's been announced today. There we go. So now we've got a guy that's going to get slightly more usage out of the back line for Fremantle as well. And he just looks like he's going to be such an unreal player. I don't think it's a necessarily safe pick. This is falls into the very risky strategy where I'm going to decide where I want to take the risks in my team. And the D5 spot feels like a comfortable place for me personally because I I don't want to start with five premium defenders off the bat because then I can't take advantage of, let's say, a Pendlebury or someone getting DPP and being a really good defender, and then I can't swing Nick Dacos back there if I need to. I I don't want to fill up more than four slots. So I've got my four, and now I'm either picking a rookie or a mid-pricer, and the only rookie available that I don't have that playing is Gibkus, who I don't want. (laughs) So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, kind of. I know it feels like paying an extra 100K just to get out of Gibkus sounds bad, and it genuinely might be bad. I just have quite a lot of faith in Chapman that is going to be at least decent enough that I don't feel like I've been hard done by and I'll be able to trade him out, you know, round six, round seven, once I can swing Dacos back and I'll be able to upgrade him to a primo midfielder, which I'm in dire need of given my structure, my side doesn't have any of them. So that's kind of where I'm sitting with it. He just needs to, you know, plot along and and Fremantle have probably the best first 10 fixtures um, in the AFL this season. So I'm trying to take advantage of that as well. And look, some stars have aligned and I just need them to continue their alignment uh, for the next, you know, 10 weeks, I guess. But also, JB, before I move on, um, Fremantle's game style is pretty interesting at the moment. They they had um, a hell of a lot of marks. Um, every player in their team seems to have got like seven or eight marks, um, 139 of them for the match, which is... I think the average AFL is like 90 or so. So they're playing a lot of chip-chip footy, which is really good for all the defenders. And uh, Heath Chapman's one of those. So I think he's going to benefit from the new play style. And I think that also throws Luke Ryan, I guess, into consideration, JB. 111 supercoach points, uh, 24 possessions, 13 marks. Again, Fremantle, easy first 10 fixtures. Should he be on the radar of people? No, I don't think so. I like Luke Ryan a lot, and he's probably going to get his fair share of kickouts again. I just think he has shown it year in, year 
like year in, year out, that he relies on too many other factors and is also injury prone. He he just high variance, injury prone, doesn't play well away from home. Um, which I'm not sure how many away from home games they get. Are they exclusively away from home this year, or are they gonna? No, no, they're, they're playing. Um, nothing's been announced normal? as of yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I just, I just I find him so difficult to trust, and in a year where. Like off the top of my head, Rich, Lloyd, Crisp, Whitfield. Um, there, there's so many more guys that I, uh, it's off the top of my head. Okay, Short, Ridley. I can't believe I just named Ridley in that. Um, anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of defenders, a lot of defenders, and Hall. I just Hall, yeah. Um, I just don't think he's up to that scratch anymore. So I'm happy to fade. Maybe upgrade in his buy. That's about it. Fair enough. I mean. It's uh, yeah, uh, it's hard as you said. There's just so many good defenders, and and we're going to get more throughout the season with the DPP changes. So, yeah, McGrath, depends. Pendles, like potentially Zorko with Caden Coleman out. Like we don't know. There's there's a lot to, a lot to like go a lot of water to go under the bridge with the defense. Yeah, I'm really struggling today, Pistol. No, if you can't tell, that's fine. Um, nearly there okay, I'm, game. You I'm going to move it. on to the yeah the Gold Coast versus Geelong game maybe the most influential game of the entire round they saved it for last um, took Miller for starters if you're being crazy like Pistol and I and you're going down to three premium midfielders in the midfield he absolutely has to be one of them He there's every chance maybe even to the point where it's a percentage odds on chance that took Miller is the best midfielder in the game this season what was my slap me if I don't start all the way back in December? I, at this point, I'm going to assume it's Took yeah, Miller. Yeah, it was Took Miller. And I've been locked in. And I think I mentioned it in the September podcast. Who's from mine? I love Took Miller and he has not moved from my steel. side. And I picked him above everyone. I think I picked him in our, we did that short form fantasy draft back in, I think it was December with, um, Eno and Supercoach George, and I had the number one pick for the midfielders, and I picked Miller. <laughs> so I won't lie, you, you've been on him before a lot of people were. You've got the receipts, so I, I can't deny it. Um, but you're right, he looks incredible. So Took Miller is your number so two behind Jackson McRae, um, only on price because I think he definitely has a chance to outscore him. Matt Rowe, 121 Supercoach points. Now, that's back-to-back tons for Matt Rowe, which the first one surprised me. This one didn't. He really dominated in this game. Looked very, very good. A very high percentage rate of contested possessions, which is obviously his game. No strapping anywhere, which I think is maybe the most important point. He looks fit. He looks good. Uh, He looks back to what he was before he was injured. And let me tell you this, Pistol. He versed West Coast in round one. He He might beat his career best score against West Coast which for those who don't know, I think he's about 171. <laughs> he also did all of this uh, 121 points against Geelong with no marks. His outside game needs a lot of work, to put it lightly. His inside game is almost flawless. He, eye test-wise, looks absolutely back to you know, the row that we thought we knew a couple years ago. He looks outstanding. 343K as a midfielder. It's almost a pick that, it almost can't go wrong. Oh, I've jinxed it now. He's going to get injured, and that's how it goes wrong. You said almost can't go wrong. Though. True, almost can't go wrong because he either plays well enough that he goes like you know 105, 110, and you're like you beauty, or he averages 90, 
95, which would be bad, but he then still makes 150K at that price. So it's like a it's like a free roll of the dice that he's going to be decent. And geez, he looks good. Like I know you said no strapping, but yeah, strapping young lad's going to have an absolutely huge season, I think, for Gold Coast. And their midfield with him and Anderson and Miller working in those center bounces, oh, it's amazing football to watch. If you have, haven't watched Gold Coast this preseason, you're missing out. I think uh, I'm scared of overhyping him, but I think he's locked into both of our sides. And I think he has been since about halftime of that game. And I had it's one of those things game, that's just, JB. It's just not going to change. Well, that, I mean, look, you're starting to get a bit a bit of a, you know, Big head. This was, my, this was my team before. I had like five players locked in and they've all done well. <laughs> that's that's actually convenient. I usually call you something head. I can't remember. Maybe it's big head. Um. Anyway, on Gold Coast side, um, besides those two lads, Jared Witt's a very good game. Three hundred eighty k Ruckman, ninety seven Supercoach points. I, I hazard a guess that you still don't have him. No. <laughs> um, is he a Proust replacement, or is he just too highly priced? to really have faith in. He he needs to also average around the 85 to 90 mark. Look, I wouldn't read too much into his super coach score. He scored 97 points in just over a half of football. Um, he was playing Stanley, who I wouldn't say is like a top-tier ruckman, and which blew him out of the water. So it wasn't like a fair run around. 54% time on ground is not what I wanted to see from the ruckman, though I know it was his first game back and they didn't want to push him, but that makes me think that they might ease him into the season. He's not going to be thrown in and play 80% plus that he's kind of used to. I think he'll be playing maybe high 60s, low 70s for like the first five, six weeks, and that really limits his scoring potential. Like it, it, he potentially could have you know, averaged 100 plus, but it's hard to see when his time on ground is going to be so low, I think, in the early parts of the season. So with that, and then on the other hand, you've got Gorn and Melbourne's fixtures and Gorn being Gorn, it's just for the 300K saving or 270-odd K saving from Gorn to Wits, I think it's worth every dollar just paying up. To paying up, yeah. I, I agree. I had Wits in my team for a short amount of time just to see what the money did. Um, it didn't quite do enough. It's a really awkward amount of money between those two um, that it doesn't quite get you all out to a premium without sacrificing a really good mid-pricer. Um, and it doesn't quite get you from a rookie up to like, I mean, I suppose if you did want to go a rookie up to a mid-pricer, but then you're going down to like 10 premiums. It's just not worth it. So um, the price isn't even that tantalizing. It's not that tempting. So I, I just don't think he's worth selecting. And the injury factor obviously is absolutely mammoth with big guys doing leg injuries and the chance of re-injury, unfortunately, is just too high to take that risk on. The good news for Witsy is I think um, the knick-knack mold has really been set. The precedent has been set. West Coast found a really good percentage with him last season. I think Wits goes to a similar percentage. So um, hopefully the blueprint's there for him to get through the season this year. Um, we just want to see him up and running, I guess. Um, a fit Wits is good. So um, not one for our Supercoach teams, though. Lockie Weller, 73 Supercoach points. Um, still had a fair share of kickouts, but he just doesn't really get the ball in open play enough. Not that he's not good at accumulating the ball in open play. I just don't think it's quite... Gold Coast style to just pick out someone and, and make sure that they are the one exiting. They're actually very tidy by foot exiting their defensive 50. They've got a lot of guys who can do it. So Yeah, Will Powell, um, very good too. 
Buffalo, very, yeah. very good, yeah. Um, 97 for him. But I, I just don't think any of them are going to end up being um, fantasy eligible. And none of no one really in Gold Coast's history since about Nick Malcheski has been fantasy relevant in that defense. I just think they're... Bose, they're maybe, last season. Had a good run before uh, it got changed. A good, a good first, like, six weeks. But I just... I think it's a tough gig for Gold Coast. They're not, like as in their bad footballers, they just share it around too much, um, which is a good thing for the team. It's, they've got a lot of good kicks. Hmm. Well, look, um, I think Rory Thompson, 123K defender, uh, he came on in the third quarter. Good to see him back out there. 30 years old, hasn't played in like three seasons. Um, key defender, scored 11 super coach points in a half. <laughs> I don't even think it's worth putting on your bench. He, he, he'll probably average, if, if he plays, which I don't think he's best 22, but if he were... I think he's probably staring at like a sub 30 average so won't even make any money so there's no point no no point at all um just lastly alex davies another decent showing good statistics but 53 super coach points 200k uh probably just not worth it as in definitely not worth it i think he was when ward and a couple of other players were looking shaky but they've just come right back and, and sort of just proven that they're worth selecting um i'm going to go to the geelong side of things like, there's not a lot of relevant on the relevancy on the Geelong side of things. Sam De Koning was obviously a, a massive shining light for people. 92 supercoach points, 123k defender. He's not going to score 92 probably again, maybe for the rest of his career. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was it was great to see him put together a good game. He nearly had 20 touches at halftime. Uh, I'm not sure he then got 20 touches even for the match, but he just he was very very solid and at the very least should have won himself a spot for the first month. Yeah, look. Yeah, I think he had 14 or 16 touches at halftime and ended on 19. Yeah, he handled, I think it was 16. He handled a lot um, instead of kicking it. And when he it. did kick it, it didn't look great. So you can tell that it's a sort of the coaches are in him to say, He's meant we prefer to you to kick. handle. Yeah, wow. Okay, like, that surprised me. He missed a couple of kicks, he, like as in overshot them and it just went out of bounds instead of going I mean, to the player. He handled, I think like he played a good game. Um, I mean, 92 is obviously good, but they didn't have Stewart. And they didn't have Henry, and both of those players are definitely best twenty-two. So, I I think he'll be in and out throughout the season just based on matchup and opponent. I think he's probably bought himself around one spot now because he had a, a good game, a very impressive game, which is great, obviously. But he's not somebody that you want on your field. I know that ninety-two looks nice. I don't think he's ever going to get there. <laughs> I don't think he'll, he'll ever score 92 again, to be honest. I think that's a one a once in a blue moon situation. Uh, he's firmly on, on my bench. Yeah, on my bench as well, though, which is kind of good news. Um, they had a few younger players playing. I think Nick Stevens is 123K midfielder. Cooper Stevens, 123K midfielder. Um, Cooper had 62 for the match, which would be amazing if he could uh, secure a spot. Unfortunately, I think his direct competition is Max Holmes, who put out 95, played incredibly well. Um, I'm not sure they both fit in that team. I think Cooper's just slightly on the outside looking in. Hopefully a downgrade target if um, maybe... I don't want to say if someone gets injured, but let's just say if someone goes on a massive form slump and gets booted out of the team, or if there's a small, not so bad injury that happens that sort of buys Cooper a month or so. So um, I think we see him this season, but probably not round one. So temper your expectations there as well. Yeah, Francis Evans also played um, most of a game, 52 super coach points in 69% time on ground. He might get a gig. I think it's somewhat unlikely. I don't think he's going to be a particularly great super coach scorer. But, you know, every year Geelong have had kind of like a sneaky rookie 
that has just managed to play for like the whole season and done really well. Like for the last five years, I think they've had just one random guy. So I'm hoping that it's Deconian <laughs> this season. Um, but it could be someone like Evans that we just didn't expect and he sneaks in and just, you know, plays the whole time. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling it though. No, not really feeling it either. I don't think we're going to get a lot of good news out of the Geelong camp coming up to the season. Um, look, we're going to quickly go through a couple of podcast questions. Uh, this is spoken about in our Slack group, so we appreciate everyone that sent us through something. Um, first, um, this one's a bit tough. It's what's the best approach to playing for the buyers? Have you done any buy planning at this point in the season? No, look, I appreciate that every year you need to kind of look at the buyers and this year is a little bit different with the trade boost. I think we're going to be boosting in rounds 13 and boosting in rounds 14. So that extra two um, trades throughout the buyers, I think goes a long way in being able to get 18 players on field. As long as you have a relatively even buy split with perhaps a little bit um, weighted towards the final buy round as well as or you know upgrade throughout the season a little bit heavier in that final buy, buy round, I think you're going to be totally fine i'm not stressing about the buy this year with those extra trades i think it's going to be way easier than usual so yeah look i wouldn't i wouldn't be stressing about it to be honest uh structure mid prices and rookies is the next sort of question um we've sort of alluded to it so i'm just going to ask you a few quick questions how deep are you in defense um before it gets to the rookies no so my structure at the moment is uh four premium defenders with chapman at d5 um spoken about that on the podcast before three premium midfielders which is a scary thing to look at two premium rucks two premium forwards and lots of mid prices first time ever that i've had 11 premiums going into the season feel uncomfortable by it feel like i have all the mid prices that i want except for sherry which we'll see how that goes around three um with the trade boosts this season i think it does give you that flexibility to pick more mid prices because one you have trades as bailout options and two you actually um, have more trades to be able to you know complete your side and become fully primo so that's kind of where i'm going and to be honest jb i'm not loving not loving this season already the preseason. there's just yeah with the lack of rookie options that are available to us we're kind of forced into really similar structures which means we're forced into really similar sides when we thought we were going to have like all these these midfield rookies and defender rookies and forward rookies at the beginning of the season, there was so much variety across all the teams. Everyone had different premiums. Everyone had different structures. And I was like, this is awesome. Like even the rucks when Bruce was an option, there was just so many things that everyone was doing differently. I was like, what a fantastic year this is going to be. And now we're all down to like a really similar structure and it's only to try and chase the best rookies and we're kind of forced into it a little bit. Yeah, being forced into things is bad. I hate the the feeling. I said pre-season that I wasn't going to start um, less than five premium midfielders. I've got three in my team. I'm really uncomfortable with that. I think my biggest weakness in this game as an actual, as a super coach player in general, is upgrading to those premium, those uber guys and just picking my timing and, and sort of just nailing that. I think that's really difficult for me. I've struggled with it pretty much every season. I'm going to try my hardest this year to get better at it. But I really wanted to just start five guys so I could be less stressed in that position. We have to start as as many as three, maybe four um, at best. And I've got three personally. So look, if I've been turned around to that sort of way of thinking, then 
I was adamant I was not starting less than five, and here we are. So I hate being pigeonholed. I hate the fact that we all started in the bottom end of a traffic cone and have worked our way all the way up to the top, and now all our teams are sort of the same um, as preseason has gone along. But what can we do? If, if you start looking for PODs or start trying to do things just for the sake of being different, that's when you find yourself ranked 20K after a, f- a few weeks. So um, we have to do what we have to do. We have to pick the guys that um, that present themselves, the rookies that present themselves. And unfortunately, it's going to be a lot of much of muchness in, in our teams, but um, you just trade better. Just trade better, be better. Um, like no one... You could start the same team as a thousand other people, and you guys could start between one. Uh, sorry, finish between one and first uh, and last. So, <laughs> one uh, and first. It, That's a like my one first. <laughs> yes, um, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Like, it's unfortunate, but we have to do it. We have to still do the best thing possible to give us as the best opportunity to succeed in the game and unfortunately that's what we're doing and it just sucks but it is what it is I think every year we reflect on how during the season is a good time to trade in PODs because you can see like Lions for last last year he'd had like 10 games in a row averaging over 115 and still no one was picking him up and he was a, a great one you know to upgrade to at the buys and then have for the second half of the year just because he was barely in any teams and there was a lot of people that you know, upgraded to him even earlier, upgraded to Miller, who they identified as basically being on a, a massive ton run, and he ends up being a really nice pick. Um, there's plenty of opportunities throughout the season to upgrade to PODs. I don't think you need to start them because if you get it wrong, it's season over. If you, if, <laughs> It's just not, not worth that risk. I would rather be looking and trying to identify those premium selections earlier. It's like how, what we, you know, Aaron Hall last season obviously went very well and, and bringing in those types of guys um, to try and, you know, be successful throughout the year than, than actually starting any of these, you know, what would be considered crazy selections. I'm going to float through a couple more questions. First of all, um, if Lloyd isn't planned for a doctor's daily dose, which he isn't, He'd, uh, this person shouts would love to know our thoughts on him versus Stuart or Rich I think we've already sort of discussed this I think you're on Stuart over Lloyd at the moment um, as the podcast has gone along I think I'm going to end up on Rich over Lloyd so wow. um, that's that's not really like they're, they're not strong feelings I think by either of us I think we both expect Lloyd to go well um, it's just finding the value wherever it is and it's also kind of just having a little bit more um, seeing a little bit more upside in the other selections, not to say that Lloyd's a bad selection at all. So I, I does that sort of summarize? I well? genuinely think the difference between those players is going to be like yeah. within you know three points a game. And for exactly, me, yeah. people thinking I've chosen you know Stewart over Lloyd, I think they're going to average like the same and I just much prefer watching Stewart play. So I'm just going to go with the guy that I really enjoy watching. I think that's been yeah, absolutely. You know, having still that enjoyment with Supercoach is still a, a big factor. So I'm gonna yeah lock that one in because I enjoy it same as as Chris. But I, I probably would. I think Lloyd's gonna outscore Chris. I'm like quite confident in that. Um, I actually don't have the 14k, but even if I did, I'd probably pick Chris because I'm Collingwood sport and I watch all the games and I think they'll go within three points of each other. If there was like a massive difference, like I wouldn't say massive. If it was gonna be like five plus and there was like no chance of one outscoring the other, then I just do the smart thing. Um, but I like I like watching some of these players. Like Took Miller, you could totally start Jack Steele over Took Miller if you wanted to, and that's like 
completely fair. But I just really like watching Took Miller play, so I'm going to pick Took Miller. <laughs> um, and I think those are all yeah. you know valid. It's at the end of the day, it's a game that we're playing for fun and 50k, but mostly fun and 50k. And I'll pick the plays that I like to watch and 50k. I don't think um I don't think you should let anyone talk you into Stuart Rich or Lloyd. I think you just pick your guy and, and just back them in for the season. Um, Benny Burnerboy asked, "Who are the rookies we should be locking into a back line?" We've already discussed this a lot. I think um for starters, McCartan absolute lock. Hinge if named round one, I think is an easy lock into your side as well. Deconing uh, just I bench. mean for the sake of not having a hundred million dollar person on your bench, he's absolutely locked in as well on your bench. Um, and then I think the discussion sort of goes between Gibkiss uh, and, and no one. whether any of... Uh, I mean, Sin might be named, um, but essentially no one after that. And the potential starting of Wilmot Donut for round one. So um, look, I think the first three guys are easy selections if named. And then I think the other guys, you can make a case for any of them. Sin if named, I think he's far better than Gibkiss and Wilmot. Yeah, agreed. Um, otherwise, Wilmot versus Gibkiss, I think, is a genuine discussion. Um, and if Sin's I know, named, not... I could change my structure. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. I think he, ha- I think he's an on-field option as well. Yeah. So, um, I guess we'll see a, a, a bit more of that as we go. And then, lastly, I think we're just going to plug ourselves here. Detailed discussion on the two to three hundred k players uh, and which are better picks. We're going to do a mid-price um, podcast next week. Um, so just a quick little plug this podcast is now coming to an end uh, that's going to be next week's podcast so make sure you tune in for that one it's going to be a lengthy discussion in regards to any player that you've probably thought of this preseason that's priced between uh, what, what do we usually set it at 2 and 350k or something so um, definitely tune in for that one that's going to be super interesting um, Pistol I've sort of struggled towards the end here I've got a bit of a COVID situation going on so I hope I haven't been um, too bad on the podcast but Feels a little bit bad now. Yeah, no, you've been shocking, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just just confirming everything I was thinking. So I do apologise if I was a bit stumbly or a bit um a bit bad at the podcast, but it is what it is. We're grinding through. Um, I'm very appreciative of you joining. Even I, mean, I suppose I deserve that comment after my head comment earlier. So it kind of is what it is. Um, I really appreciate you joining me. I appreciate everyone listening. If you're still listening to this one, I really wonder why. Um, the podcast is over thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you next week you can find all our main socials facebook.com forward slash dr supercoach on twitter our main page is at dr underscore sc you can find me on twitter at at cheeso underscore drsc with a z you've got jb at jb underscore drsc pistol at pistol underscore drsc feel free to give us a like and a follow and review us on any podcasting platform that you feel is necessary you want to give us some feedback we love hearing from you guys until then we'll see you guys at your next Dr. Subicoach appointment. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 